what you've all been waiting for. It's time for the Steak for Breakfast podcast. It's Friday, September 9th, 2022, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast. Smokey, this is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior, America! Steak. For breakfast! So stand by. in my stones let it rain i hide your plane in the bank coming down like a thousand jones when the clouds come we go we rockefeller we fly higher than weather and cheap vibes are better you know me in anticipation for precipitation stack chips with a rainy day this episode of the podcast is brought to you as always by man rubs rubs barbecue tools blow torches t-shirts coffee cups and all-around barbecue related gear for you to make barbecue great again can be found at manrubs.com and on Instagram, manrubs. Use the code STEAK15 for 15% off your order. Also brought to you by Stay Ready Gear. They're at stayreadygear.com and on Instagram, stayreadygearusa. Holsters, custom kydex, mag carriers, tourniquet carriers, on and off duty gear. Hot melted plastic made just for you. Need something custom? They got you covered. Use the code STEAK for 5% off. Don't get ready. Stay ready. The Pillow King of Minnesota and the apparatus known as the MyPillow family. They've got some big savings going on. On down at my pillow, Noah. Well, we'll just call it a bed spectacular. Bedtacular? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to make out of that one. The my mattress, new low prices. In addition to that, Giza Dream Sheets, twenty nine ninety eight. When you enter promo code Stake at checkout, mm. if you're more of a morning person and uh, want a little compliment to your breakfast plate, my coffee. They've got it in the bag. They've got it in the bean. And they've got it in the pod. And a promo code steak at checkout, mypillow.com forward slash steak for anything pillow related. If you like the breakfast materials, it's mystore.com forward slash steak. Or you can talk to a qualified pillow representative, 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear in the world's most technologically advanced in-studio recording equipment can be found at Odyssey. Whether you're gaming, potting, allowing me to stand under your umbrella, oh. get those ear needs taken care of and done upright. Odyssey.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms has been servicing Southern California for over a decade. He's a licensed FFL. If you're into the tradesies and don't live in Canada, he's got a five-star rating. The newly redesigned, easy-to-use website is westcoastsurvivalarms.com. He's on Facebook Messenger and via the telephone, 619-870-6992. Stay for breakfast, back to the blue. We love our first responders, and they're always working hard. While they're off duty, they're probably wearing gear from Mediocre Medic, sweatshirts, T-shirts, flip-flops, fanny packs, and more. Stickers and patches for while they're on the job. Plus, he got a pretty fire IG. MediocreMedic.com is the website, and last but certainly not least, the gold standard of tactical flair and home of the Zero Fuck Stuck. We found at Dumpbox. Still don't know? Go ask Mark Joe Friday. Dumpbox.us is the website. You can find them on Instagram. Find them on Facebook. Friends, don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at Steak for Podcast Breakfast or on the website at SteakforBreakfastPodcast.com. There you'll find a link tree that'll take you to all our social medias, the website, our newest Substack, Telegram channel, and more. On that note, to all our friends joining us today on the Patriot Podcast Network via the Roku app, from the Twitterverse, Instagram, Discord, and now via our verified accounts on Getter and True Social, welcome to Friday edition, Steak for Breakfast Podcast, episode 168. I'm Roan, Noah's here. Yo. Guys, we got a couple of fire guests lined up for you today. 
You'll know what I'm talking about when you get to hear their voices in just a little bit. Plus a ton of breaking news. Kind of a news mash week, but uh, we're going to jump right into it right now with one of our great friends. All right, joining us on the show, coming up first, one of our great friends and, and even better guests. We're going to do a little bit of the news with her after we get some updates on what's going on. She's an attorney for Save America and one of the hardest working patriots out there. Christina Bob, thanks for coming back on the show. Thank you so much. I always love your show. And we love you. How's everything going on your end? I'm, <laughs> yeah, don't don't lie great. and say great. Don't lie and say great. <laughs> <laughs> They're great. Uh, no, I mean, I, of course, joke just because there's lots happening. But really, it is. It's all, I mean, everything is just it is all fine and just plug it along and you know just doing my job and trying to save america now you've been an attorney for a long time uh you've been in politics just about as well i mean being doing all the stuff you've done it kind of makes it political you so you've been around the environment for just about as long does the amount of fog of war right now that's going on uh especially coming from the democrat side and and the stuff that's coming out of washington dc surprise you at all um, it does not surprise me. Uh, it's a little bit frustrating that, you know, all of the misinformation and, you know, uh, stuff coming out, but, um, it also makes me think, you know, they don't have anything else. So in a weird kind of twisted way, it's a little bit encouraging, <laughs> you know? So it, it, not surprising. It's just a tactic they use and, you know, they mudsling and all that. So. Yeah. I just, just that we've seen it in, in, in ways that, are just completely unprecedented. Let's see, what haven't we seen you since? Well, we've seen you, I think, once since the raid at Mar-a-Lago, so yeah. we've kind of gone through that. We learned some new details from the Pennsylvania Save America rally last weekend, which we broke down on our Tuesday edition of the show where, you know, President Trump got into some of the details, including, like, yeah. I guess they went through and ransacked Barron Trump's room as well, and and yeah. it's just absolutely disgusting to see our, our federal government be weaponized like this. You know, talking with people with... Uh, well, Devin Nunez, Cash Patel, uh, Ambassador Grinnell, and Matt Whitaker are frequent guests on the show. They're all going to be coming back on throughout the month of uh, September as well. Get into a lot of the players who were involved. Uh, you know, the ones who, uh, well, some of the originators of the Russiagate scandal and Crossfire Hurricane. Uh, we've seen, obviously, Hillary Clinton going around TV for the last couple of weeks, kind of giving her two cents. But I mean, like the Susan Rice's, Lisa Monaco, Ron Klain, Jake Sullivan, Peter Strzok going all over television, John Carlin, Merrick Garland. And, and, and uh, you know, people like that, some of the same bad actors are out here causing the same problems. And then you have people like I already mentioned, Hillary Clinton and Adam Schiff running around television telling people how awesome the FBI is and uh, right. how, how great the government's working for the American people. And uh, it's got to be really frustrating to try and, you know, do the things that you guys are doing over there, uh, whether it be down at Mar-a-Lago or on the Save America rally circuit right now than, uh, than normal. Well, you know, I, I see what they're doing. I just think. Time will tell, you know, just like the Russia, 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 Ukraine, 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 just like everything else, you know, time will tell things will come out in their uh, in their order and the American people will see see it for exactly what it is. It's another hoax. It's another dead end. Um, so, you know, I <laughs> I'm not too discouraged by it. it. It's annoying, but I think the more that these personalities get on there and lie and speculate and twist things, uh, the worse it's going to make them look again when it all comes out in the wash and shows that, you know, President Trump had nothing to do with anything. He hasn't done anything wrong in any regard. So uh, I think that will, you know, that's going to come out. Yeah, we do, too. We've tabbed it 
affidavit gate here on the show, and but we know it's a, it's a, a smaller component of the overall Russiagate scandal just because of the players that are involved. It seems like the people who are most comfortable, you know, running this nationwide disinformation campaign for the last well almost seven years now are, are the ones that they're relying on. And uh, yeah, it's just really frustrating to watch and, and see. And, and some of our great friends like you, obviously President Trump, we had Liz Harrington on the show. Uh, on Tuesday, her frustration just kind of like bled over into some of her commentary, and and you know how she d- d- does not care. She, she reigned. Does, in, she's awesome. Yeah, she's she, like she one ran, of my favorite people. It, yeah, she reigned she's it down great. from the heavens and uh, threw everybody under the bus and talked about how they're just a complete embarrassment. And she hopes they all get what's coming to them. But instead of saying Russia, 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 now it seems like the the new catchphrase that that it's making everybody all rabid about it is indictment, indictment, indictment. Um, most of the people who we have on, and well, I would say just about all of them, in, in act, from actual Trump world, say that they still don't feel like at the end of the day, uh, the forty fifth president is going to be indicted. You feel the same way? No, yeah, not a chance, not a chance. They're they're not even close to an indictment. Um, you know, I, we need to see how how it all plays out, but no, I just I don't think that will happen. Yeah, I, I like that almost reflexive response, and that's the same ones we've gotten from some of your great friends over there. Um, did it did it discourage or, or surprise you yesterday to see, uh, well, another radical DA in New York State go after uh, former Trump advisor Steve Bannon and, and try to double jeopardy him with an indictment in New York? You know, it's... It's one of those things. I think as long as we are in this environment where it's okay to go after your political opponents with the people who are in authority, I, I'm not surprised and to some extent expect it. Obviously, I don't think Steve Bannon, you know, deserves the level of uh, scrutiny that he's received, but you know, he's very well equipped to handle it, and I yeah. think he does a good job doing that. So, you know, I. I support him, but I think we just have to keep going. You know, we just have to keep going. We just have to drain the swamp and make sure that, you know, this is why I focus on elections with the presidents. Why, you know, I want to do the job that I'm doing is focusing on getting the right people in the right offices to clean this out. Because if we don't, you know, it's going to take us down and we're, we're hanging by a thread at the moment, but I think it's a strong thread and I think it's one that we will continue to hang by. And I think, you know, we will eventually correct this where, you know, we don't criminalize our political opposition. And um, so I guess to answer your question, I'm I'm not surprised by it. I wouldn't even go so far as to say I'm disheartened. It just makes me think we just have to keep going. We just have to keep going and clean it out and get people Good people, good Americans, Republicans and Democrats. This is not a party issue, uh, but just get good law abiding, constitution loving Americans in the right positions and we'll clean it out and it'll be fine. And I, I do believe, you know, justice will be served and right will prevail. But we've gone too long in our country ignoring it and allowing, you know, these radical positions to go unchecked. So, you know, we've got some cleanup to do. No, we certainly do. And a lot of it starts at the ballot box and now just 60 days away, the midterm elections. I don't know if you've noticed, Christina, uh, you said you've kind of gone off the grid for the last couple of weeks because you got your head down and you're, you're hard focused on working on stuff over there for the president and, and things going on at Save America. But 
ever since Donald Trump has come back with massive force in the form of that Pennsylvania rally, uh, mm -hmm. the legacy media's newest ploy is we could report on all the bad things, hypothetically, that could happen to him. But what we're going to start doing now is that we're going to use every pollster in the country to, to kind of lead the general public, <laughs> the unpolitically aware that uh, the red wave is not coming non-existent. And uh, Donald Trump's now over 200 endorsements don't really mean anything come November 8th. Right. right. couple things with that. I'm going to contradict myself here for a second. One, I don't think... I think the American people are getting to the point where they just are believing their own eyes. You know, you see these Trump rallies, that Pennsylvania rally was massive yeah. and it was electric and it was filled with enthusiasm and patriotism. And the American people see that. And then, you know, you get some crazy liberal poll that's like, oh, he doesn't really have the support. No, he, he does. He really does. And then you compare that with Joe Biden's speech, Oof. you know, a week or so ago, whatever it was, but there was nobody there. Like, why don't we see crowd shots of Biden's speech? Uh, because there wasn't a crowd there. So, I, I no, I don't think people believe the polls as much as they are. The other thing is, we also need to make sure as Americans that we're not looking at these rallies going, oh, look at how much support we have, it's fine. We don't need to volunteer at the polls or we don't need to turn out or it's okay to not vote or, you know, whatever. We can't we can't get into that. So while, yes, I do think that, you know, the Patriot MAGA movement has a lot of following and it's got a lot of good support. I also don't mind a little bit of the fear uh, to, to encourage people to to continue to stay involved and push push the issue. So. It, it's a little bit of both. I think I, I don't think it's serving the purpose that the left thinks it's doing because I think people believe their own eyes over the polls. But I don't mind the polls to the extent that it incur you know it kind of scares people a little bit to be like, nope, we got to keep the pressure on, we got to keep going. No, you make a whole lot of sense. I mean, we actually talked about it because we broke down the rally on Tuesday. The thunderous replies from that audience to certain portions of that rally when he talked yeah. about the Mar-a-Lago raid when he brought up Mitch McConnell um, when he talked about Hillary Clinton it was like I hadn't heard a thunderous crowd like that in years not saying that the crowds they're always interactive with President Trump but it just seemed like that Pennsylvania audience um, you know one of the ones that they're tabbing is one of the possibly one of the largest battlegrounds of the entire midterm election mm -hmm. They were really dialed into what he was saying, and it felt like what he was telling them really resonated, that really registered with them, because that's exactly what they're feeling. Yeah, I think that's right. I think President Trump is a master at connecting with the American people, despite the fact that he doesn't really have much in common with the American people other than being an American and loving this country. And yet, despite that, he is somehow you know, extraordinarily connected and resonates very well with your average American. Um, I, I think people were infuriated after that raid mm -hmm. and in continue like the continued opposition of President Trump by the Department of Justice. I think people are furious and they're furious with the abuses of power. And yet, you know, we see all of the Hunter Biden stuff that was suppressed and there's very real threats in the Biden camp as far as taking money from China and Ukraine and Russia. And yet none of that is addressed. And yet yet Donald Trump's home is raided. I, I think people recognize what's happening. And so, yeah, I think, I think that Pennsylvania rally was electric with um, hope and optimism for overcoming such a huge giant like this political oppression. So uh, 
yeah, I think he resonates very well with the American people. I think the American people are excited with what he's doing and what he wants to do. I think his agenda, the America first agenda is the American agenda. That's what Americans want. And the radical left is right now. All they can do is try to push their narrative, use their media cronies to lie and leak and twist facts and, you know, tell one side of the story and, you know, do what they've continued to do. Um, and that, that's all they've got. Yeah. I think a lot of people who, uh, you know, maybe just are getting tied into this for the first time or they're, they're rehashing open old wounds. The Our Movement speech that Donald Trump gave at the uh, when he accepted the Republican nomination for the president back in, in 2015, it's one of those speeches where he literally outlines. I actually heard it in my car this morning. I was flipping through YouTube videos, and that one came up when I was driving home, and I listened to, like, all five minutes and 15 seconds of it, and it's literally Every single thing that's going on right now, the money, the corrupt government, the weaponized media, you know, just every single facet of this government that's working against the American people right now. Uh, they always try to make it like, oh, we're up against Donald Trump. We're trying to stop Steve Bannon. We're trying to do this, that and the other thing. We're trying to make your lives better when all they're literally doing is working against you. They're shipping your your money and, and your sovereignty over to every country in the mm -hmm. in the world that'll take it. And uh, all they care is about their, their golden parachutes. I mean, Nancy Pelosi played her hand way early than I thought this week when those those rumors leaked about her getting ready to accept the uh, Italy ambassadorship job if, if, the, if the house gets flipped in November. And uh, it just shows how corrupt this government wants to be. She, you know, has advocated herself since she re-became speaker in 2018 that she's doing this all for the American people. And as soon as things get tough for her... She takes She's off and goes go off to Italy. Yeah, to wear those amazing America Last bathing suits that we uh, <laughs> saw a few months ago. That uh, you know, it's just it, it, it's a joke, and so are all of them. And I can't wait till she's out of Congress because she's by far the worst one there. Yeah, yeah. No, I think you're exactly right. I think everyone's looking forward to that day. Yes. Well, let's jump into some of the news that happened towards the end of this week. Our favorite Botox enthusiast, Laura Ingram, part of her cold open the other day, uh, talked about one of the things that's been, you know, plaguing Donald Trump since the start of it. It's about leaks, but literally it's, it's about loyalty and, and, you know, respect and of the rule of law and all the other things that, you know, our government up to this point has trampled all over Donald Trump's life with. And uh, it, it just seems like so much of the stuff that had been taken in the Mar-a-Lago raid, the medical papers, the tax stuff, some personal documents, uh, have all been just leaked to the media for them to analyze on why he has it and what the security clearance level of it is. And it's it's beyond out of control, has been for a long time, but she was kind of touching on it, so I wanted to play it for you all. The prosecution of Donald Trump by DOJ via media leaks continues tonight. Yes, just moments ago, the Washington Post reported that documents describing a foreign government's nuclear capabilities were recovered during the FBI raid on Mar-a-Lago. Now, as we've just observed time and time again over the past, what, seven years now, the regime media stenographers were ready to feed the cycle of leaks. It seems to me that, that this is the sort of thing that makes it more likely that ultimately we'll see a criminal charge here. Some of the information, at least, at least according to reporting sources, was was basically at the upper, upper echelons of, of how closely held it would be by the U.S. government. Classified information that being described is not and can't possibly be shielded by executive privilege. In other words, he didn't have a right to have it. He didn't have a right to have it in his beach house. The end of discussion. Now it's a beach house? Mm. The Post sources are 
people familiar with the investigation. All right. And the media, then they want us to believe that the what the DOJ and the FBI are above being questioned, their integrity, their uh, their bias. You can't talk about it ever. But with every leak, their credibility diminishes. Which is exactly the case. Now, Christina, you're someone who, who knows the rule of law pretty good. Mm -hmm. It actually came up when Donald Trump requested that special master, uh, the original request, and, and the Department of Justice pushed back on it and said, oh, there's nothing in this that, you know, personal interest. And he's not protecting any of that. And they're like, well, actually, according to all the leaks that are in the media, it looks like there <laughs> is. And that's why we're going to grant it. Um, I also want to give a shout out that last clip we played, the lady who sounded like she was wearing like a wool turtleneck and loved cats. She looks like it. She was on the other bookend of someone who looked just like her and poor former acting attorney general Matt Whitaker was sitting on that Anderson Cooper CNN paddle in between both of them. So credit to him. He's a stronger man than I. I'll go and cover that news, but I couldn't sit in between those two. Uh, <laughs> well, she was factually and legally incorrect. The president isn't subject to the same classification requirements as any other employee. Say, for example, oh, the Secretary of State, Hillary Clinton, who is subject to classification requirements and declassification procedures, the president, standing executive order from both George Bush and Barack Obama, uh, the president is exempt from those rules. So her legal analysis is flat out wrong. And the facts are wrong because there's absolutely nothing indicating that uh information that was uh, dangerous to national security concerns ever existed. So. Yeah, they're wrong. Yeah, they certainly are. And they usually they just kind of give you that pointed and skewed narrative that like they want everybody it's the drive by headline. That's what they want everybody to hear. Oh, they said indictment. Ooh, they said possible jail time. Yeah, that's all they're going for. Ooh, nuclear capabilities, that, that sounds even more important than nuclear secrets. Well, so you still got people that are <laughs> that are referencing impeachment like it was a real thing. Yeah. Um, no, you're you're hundred percent right. And, and uh well, you want to talk about people who really uh, respect the rule of law in this country. Former presidential <laughs> failure, Hillary Clinton joined the uh, the gang from the the View yesterday. She she's doing a I, don't, I guess she's got a show with her daughter. They're talking about everything from she wearing a Doctor Evil outfit. She is. <laughs> oh and yes. They actually brought up pantsuits in one of the interviews. Nice. And I, I had to sit there and watch the minute thirty clip of her explain to her why she wears them. Um, it's because she holds the rest rest of her lizard body in. Oh perfect. But, yeah, but they were they were well. Essentially, the lady who, uh, you know, ignored congressional subpoenas and destroyed all the electronics that they wanted uh, was talking about how Donald Trump's probably going to get in trouble for documents that he declassified uh, at Mar-a-Lago. You know, we don't have yet an understanding of what was in them. We're getting little dribs and drabs like oh. the nuclear uh, posture of an herself, ally or an adversary. But I do, I mean, people literally die to get our government information. Mm -hmm. They go to prison. Yeah. They get exiled. She's killed several it's of them. dangerous oftentimes. <laughs> and the idea that this would have been done, um, I hope everybody takes really seriously. It is not some casual try to come up with some, you know, throwaway. It's not like an overdue library book. No, not. She talked about killing people and throwing stuff away. I mean, she was a, she was explaining it all right there. But you also got to now play the clip of her saying to Congress, what difference does it make yep. that she had all of her classified information? It's so hypocritical. And I mean, the view is the perfect scene for something like that because nobody actually has, you know, enough 
background and information to challenge her on it in order they have the backbone or intellectual curiosity to do so so uh, she can say whatever she wants without regard for any consequences yeah they had they had a radical progressive legal expert sunny hostin on uh with them on tuesday and she me and noah fact checked her on the show she was talking about how oh, yeah. people need to stop calling this thing a raid when the fbi has a search warrant and they go to somebody's house and execute it it's not called a raid it's called the rule of law and then noah looked i literally up, look up <laughs> is a, is executing a search warrant a raid and it's like basically yes when commonly yeah. said search warrant they, of course it is yeah well then if this isn't a raid what does an fbi raid look like i don't know because I mean, an FBI, the FBI can't do a raid without a search warrant. Well, I think they were. I think they were trying to say when they were differentiating between the two that a raid is when they actually knock the door down instead of ring the doorbell. It, oh, no, okay. the definition of a raid is I mean, exactly what I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> that like, pause. I, that pause was beautiful. <laughs> we're not going to edit that out like, either. Wait, what? Like. I don't uh, even know how to respond to that. All I, w- right. I wish you all could have seen the look on her face. It was priceless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, usually is. You know what really got me going this week was, well, Christina, before we get into it, how much of a disappointment did, did Bill Barr turn out to be for you? Um, I mean, a disappointment in every possible way. And he continues to be a further and further disappointment. Like, you know, it's one thing back, you know, with the election, when he came out and was like, oh, they presented no evidence that the election was rigged or whatever. Okay, that's disappointing and, you know, kind of chicken shit, but whatever. He, he, I actually think at some point he could have potentially recovered from that if he'd actually come around and continue to support. But he continues to go down these paths where he's just, he's just alienating himself from everybody because not only is he not supporting America First and MAGA Patriots, in our policies and what we want, the left hate him. The, the left, they're not suddenly going to be like, oh, look at Bill Barr. He's this great attorney general who, you know, we're going to hold in high regard. They're never going to do that. So I don't think there's anybody in the country at this point who actually has an ounce of respect for Bill Barr. No, I, well, all the people on like MSNBC and all those channels, he goes on to talk about how he's rooting for Donald Trump to lose. I just don't understand. But if, they don't respect him. No. They're using him. Yep. And they'll pimp him out for their viewers to try to get the sound bites that they want. But they have no respect for him. No one has any respect for Bill Barr. No, they, they certainly don't. And, you know, it's it's people like him, people like Christopher Ray that were pushed on Donald Trump by the establishment. All of these guys blew up in, in the face of the American people and have just turned out to be resounding disappointments. Because whether or not Donald Trump, you know, appointed people like this because they were pressured, like, like, you know, oh, we need some normal, like when James Comey got fired, we need somebody that understands the system, the whole deal with Christopher Ray. He turned out to be just as bad, if not worse, than James Comey because he does all the exact same shit with the exact same people behind the scenes, and then he just plays stupid. James Comey used to go out there and, like, pontificate, like, well, you know, this is the way the FBI has always operated. Well, no shit, but now you're, like, literally doing it to the American people. And, uh, you know, Bill Barr's another sparkling example of how, you know, this stuff can't ever happen again when Donald Trump wins re-election. He's yeah. going to have to go in there with people that he knows. You know, they might not be the most attractive picks or whatever, but, uh, you know, those are the people that, that he can actually trust, and it doesn't matter how long they've been working wherever and how much experience they have because if they're not on board with the agenda, they're just going to wind up screwing us all over again. But yeah. uh, speaking of which, let's hear Bill Barr uh, basically shout down the special master. Opinion, I think, was wrong, and I think the government should appeal it. Wrong. Uh, It's deeply flawed in a number of ways. I don't think the appointment of a special 
uh, master is going to hold up. But even if it does, I don't see it fundamentally changing the trajectory. I, in other words, I don't think it changes the ball game so much as maybe we'll have a rain uh, rain delay for a couple mm. of innings. Yeah, it sounds like he's you know essentially cheering he, he on in an, so uh, wrong. Sorry, bro, didn't mean to cut you off. He's so wrong and. A special master has been appointed in every case surrounding Donald Trump, Rudy Giuliani. They raided Rudy and, you know, he's a lawyer. They had attorney client privileged communications that they took. And so they appointed a special master, Victoria Tenzing. You know, those around President Trump, everyone has appointed a special master because that's what you do in situations like that. That is the standard operating procedure. And so for them to say, oh, no, the FBI should just have free reign to look at all of the president's personal communications and attorney client privilege documents and executive privilege documents and all this, it's complete bullshit. And they know it. It's just a soundbite that they yep. want to put out there yeah they take these people and there's no fucking way he actually thinks that because i mean he's got to be at least somewhat of an intelligent person to get where he what where he was and is now but they just have these people all right we're gonna put you up here and you, i just want you to say some negative shit about it because that's what we <laughs> do right. and all these mouth-breathing idiots eating hot pockets in their basement are just gonna totally run with it and post yeah, it on their social tell, medias listen you want all the boomers to buy your book we'll Ooh, give you the platform there you go and and you're gonna go out there and say the sound his points. book did terribly by the way of course it did of there, course it did i think there was no promo code steak former trump unenjoyer <laughs> Judge Napolitano's book did better than Bill Barr's. And uh, you know what? I've actually heard Judge Napolitano on Newsmax uh, a couple times over the last few months. He's actually come around. Uh, he's one of the people that, like, he's not in the top tier of rich elites. He's kind of, like, mid-grade rich elites. So all the stuff that's going on with the America Last policies are probably affecting him in the wallet. And he's like, yeah, you know, I didn't really agree with everything Donald Trump said, but it's kind of like it was a little bit better and safer. And <laughs> it was I a little better, like, when we had freedom. And, like, you look at everything happening in California right now Oof. with all of these crazy socialist policies that they're trying to implement around the entire country. And I love how people are pointing out that Florida is hotter than California. And yet we have air conditioning here in Florida and we have all of our electricity and I can keep my refrigerator plugged in. Whereas in California, you guys are struggling a little bit out there. Yeah. I haven't got hit with a rolling blackout yet, but it's coming. Yeah. They were in Northern uh, San Diego County yesterday for a couple hours. And, uh, I don't know if you saw, Christina, this week they had those things for people in, like, California, Washington, and Oregon. They signed up for, like, this energy saver program. And the energy company can adjust your thermostat and, and lock it. You can't I change it. I have seen that. That is infuriating, yeah. and it makes me angry at my fellow Americans that are okay with that. Like, how impotent do you have to be to say, you know what, I think the government is to control my thermostat. Yeah. I just think it's it's oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. and then they uh, they posted the Amazon One, which is the shopping system where you scan your palm at the little yeah, biometric that. kiosk, and yeah. that's that's going exactly the same place. Like, oh, you're going to voluntarily do this because it's convenient. Like, we're going to give you a digital thermostat because we're going to give you a hundred bucks off, and then you'll save yeah, this much money right. on your bill. And people and just we're say, gonna collect all your data, a hundred bucks off and fifteen percent less, and I don't have to carry a wallet and scan with my hand. Until you misbehave, and then they turn everything off. Yeah, it seems no like heat, no food. Seems like your hand's not scanning today. Yeah. That's unfortunate. Yeah. And, then, <laughs> and, then, and then we're China, where your social yeah. credit score, sorry, you can't get on the subway. Mm. But you can get locked in your home. You can get welded in your home. We were just talking about those drive-by headlines going on the shows to, you know, just get their point across and, and basically, you know, lie and make up stuff. So after the Biden speech last week, we played a soundbite from uh, 
well, resident racist and uh, <laughs> hater of all things good. Joy Reid had on Ascot Appreciator, mm. Roland Martin, uh, looking like the, the sultan that he is. Uh, and they were basically talking about we're in the throngs of a civil war. Like, it doesn't matter. She was like, it doesn't matter what they tell you on any other cable news network. Right here, we are already fighting. And, and then you had her, who's probably got armed security, and Roland Martin, who I could probably sneeze and blow down, uh, basically saying how they were going to come and literally fight us to the death in a civil war. Um, so she went off on a rant yesterday. I, I was flipping through the channels, and unfortunately, I always go to her show right when she's on a good one. And she was basically talking about how the FBI and DOJ are not going hard enough on any of this stuff. Like, they still respect Donald Trump so much that they're tiptoeing around it because he's big, bad MAGA. And I was like, man, I hope they put this clip on the Internet. They did, and I pulled it. Let's nice. hear it. Michael Cohen, I, I, the reason I, would I, I want to talk to you today, because is he in trouble, really? Because this guy's been committing crimes basically for his entire adult life. His dad didn't pay taxes. What? He doesn't pay taxes. He defrauds uh, the insurance companies of oh. New York. He defrauds the taxpayers of New York. He defrauds the United States IRS. He literally appears to be a crime machine. <laughs> and no one will stop him. No one can stop him. He could literally, at this point, I believe, I think he was right, he could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue in New York City, in the middle of the street, and no one would touch him. He's unbloody touchable. Please explain. You yeah. know the guy. How? Yeah, I'm not so sure I agree with that statement. Yes, he's gotten <laughs> away with so much already from uh, obstruction of justice, Another guy trying to sell tax fraud, wire fraud, bank fraud misrepresentations. He's gotten away with a litany of things. What are they However, talking about? And this makes me scratch my head. The and one of the chapters of in my book, I talk about this. I mean, nuclear, <laughs> top secret documents oh, no. should no longer be a Republican versus a Democratic issue. And oh. I listen to all of the pundits on television, whether nauseous. it's you know, this station, over? CNN, <laughs> Fox. I listen to them all. This is an American issue. And oh. I don't understand oh. what we're doing. It's not a question of whether the law is being applied equally to all. It is not. I mean, for God's sakes, the DOJ, they're tiptoeing around Donald as if he was the king, right? The supreme leader or a monarch. And again, he is not. So like what you said before, if the adage that no one is above the law holds true, then Donald should have been indicted already and facing consequences. But I'll tell you what I do think is going to happen. I think that there's going to be an indictment, and relatively soon. I believe there will also be congressional hearings um, with Donald in the hot seat where, you know, either he'll come in willingly, which, you know, I don't think he will, or via subpoena, where, I mean, the real questions that they have to be asking right now is, you know, where are the documents that were in these empty top-secret files that were found at Mar-a-Lardo? I mean, that's really the big question. And who did Donald give them to or show them to? Because like you've also said, and I've been saying it since day number one, Joy, Donald is a clear and present danger to the national security and safety of this country. And if this doesn't prove it, I'm not sure that anything will. So I agree with you. Well, but I that. don't agree with you in the fact that he's not going to be held accountable for this. This is too big at this point in time. Mm. <laughs> he, he's right about that. If this doesn't prove he did anything wrong, nothing will. They have nothing. They're not going to have anything on him. And he they're going to have to go to Mar-a-Lardo. <laughs> have you ever been to Mar-a-Lardo? Mar-a-Lardo. <laughs> You know what's funny, Christina? I don't remember Michael Cohen oh. having such a thick Brooklyn accent when he was begging for his freedom and, uh, you know, 
wearing the ankle bracelet. He sounded like a nice college educated boy. And, right. and over there he comes in like he's uh you know, full on Fredo and, and, and going in hard on I I tell you what yeah, I Yeah, he really he really did. He's he's playing it up. But uh it's it's ironic that he's calling Donald Trump a criminal when uh, he actually was the one that committed crimes. Yes, yes he did and and, and that was something <clears throat> that they've always failed to bring up. I, yeah. I, well, again, he's selling a book. And whether you buy my book about Marilado or not, it sounds like like a weird like version of Dr. Fauci kind of. Ooh. Like a, oh, you're right. I could hear it. Yeah. I could hear it. Or at least my impersonation of him started morphing into Fauci. <laughs> Either way. <laughs> well, if there's one thing I can, you know, definitely uh, rest assure our listenership, it's that with additions of people like Christina and, you know, even like Alina, uh, in, you guys are, are a much bigger upgrade than some of the other former legal counsel that he's had over the years. And uh, definitely a little bit more MAGA than apparently these guys were. I don't think you guys are in it for the money. Um, I, I, I did tell you about that clip. So the founder of Intrepid Media and advocate for the Lincoln Project, Rick Wilson, was going around cable news this week. He was on Fox News. But in this clip, uh, it, he was on MSNBC. And was talking about, well, I guess you would consider a uh, final solution to solve the Donald Trump problem. You guys are going to be pretty amazed if you haven't heard this. And the donor class can't just sit back on the sidelines and say, oh, well, don't worry, this will all work itself out. They're still going to have to go out and put a bullet in Donald Trump. And that's a fact. Mm -hmm. Oh, scissor me timbers. (laughs) How alarming is that, Christina? Wow. Uh, could you imagine if Donald Trump had said that, like about Joe Biden or anybody, any MAGA person said that about a leftist? Like the standards are just unbelievably different. It's it's infuriating. I mean, that type of language shouldn't be tolerated by anybody. No, it shouldn't. And uh... well, the hypo- hypocrisy on everything. I mean, like, I mean, I remember back when when Trump was in the White House and like, People were posting uh, like his family photos with his daughter and saying that it was like super creepy. It's like, all right, well, you want to get down to some creepy stuff? How about the diary and the right. laptop? How about and, everything Joe Biden has ever done or Hunter Biden? Yeah. You know, taking naked pictures with his nieces or whatever. Yeah, I don't think I'll ever eat a Skittle again, to be honest with you. I haven't seen that and I don't want to. <laughs> you know what? You've probably seen it because people Photoshop it into memes and you just don't think it's that. Oh, yeah. Well. Yeah. If you ever see like a line of Skittles, don't look behind it, whatever oh. you do. Yeah. Mm. I, I didn't bring all bad news today, Christina, because we, <laughs> we usually just doom the whole time and then you uh, give me credit for having to wade through this BS. I did bring some of our good friends who are working for us kind of up on Capitol Hill to the, to whatever extent they can right now with the numbers in the House and Senate. Uh, National Treasure and uh, Master of Commercials, Senator John Kennedy, was on Jesse Waters yesterday. And he, they were kind of giving some commentary on basically the Biden speech and where we are in, in regards to all that stuff. And, and you know, Senator Kennedy gave us some uh, commentary in a way pretty much only he can. Let's hear it. Recently, as you pointed out, the president has adopted a new tactic. Instead of uh, trying to solve the problems of the American people, He has decided that he is going to try to convince the American people to hate Republicans more than the American people hate President Biden. It's an interesting approach. There's there's just one problem with his approach. It's not just Republicans 
who think that the president is barking mad. Uh, many independents and Democrats also disagree with him. And these independents and these Democrats and these Republicans are Americans too. And they're going to get pretty tired pretty quickly having the President of the United States of America call them racist and misogynistic and ignorant and un-American and fascist because they disagree with uh, the Bernie Sanders agenda that President Biden has adopted. And, and, and I guess that's a long-winded way of saying I think the president's new tactic is star-spangled stupid. <laughs> um, and I don't know, maybe the White House should, should call Will Smith over and ask him to slap some sense into the teleprompter or something. Uh, because I, I predict this won't work for the president. <laughs> he's so funny. I just want to kind of give him a hug and then have a bourbon with him. Yeah. He seems like he's that kind of guy. And his accent just makes everything better. Yeah, I mean, he's literally like every character from a movie about the Deep South who's wearing right. like overalls, a straw hat, and sitting on a front porch that like the main characters of the movie just kind of wander up on. Yeah, and he's got all these like witty, quippy comments. Did it, uh, well, it probably doesn't surprise you at all. Donald Trump hammered Mitch McConnell in the Save America rally uh, last yeah, weekend. Yeah, as he should. And that, that comes off the heels of uh, a face-to-face -face meeting he had with Senator um, Rick Scott a few weeks ago. Pretty fastly after that meeting, Rick Scott dropped that scathing op-ed on Mitch McConnell, which basically said, if you don't like the picks that we've lined up for you, uh, the America First candidates, especially in the Senate, you need to, number one, shut up, number two, get out of the way. I think that's going to be a pretty big... Uh, street fight in the Senate if, if we win the majority in November between Rick Scott mm -hmm. and, and Mitch McConnell because he's already been governor and kind of has a, a national network set up, obviously. A lot of people who really follow politics know at some point down the road Rick Scott wants to run for president. Um, he does have the national network to challenge Mitch McConnell, and there's been so much stuff that came out uh, recently about Mitch kind of meddling in people's Senate campaigns, we did see Eric Greitens won a huge court case this week, uh, which basically showed that a lot of the Karl Rove and Mitch McConnell-backed money that got funneled into you know, the Eric Schmidt campaign and the smear campaign across Missouri, uh, it was all a lie. The judge said that like all these allegations you've made, all these awful commercials that you put all over the state of Missouri during the, uh, the primary season for the Senate in Missouri, they were all false allegations. None of them were true. And Mitch McConnell and Karl Rove had a big hand in that, so... I, I like it because he definitely needs to get out of leadership. I think Donald Trump segued in the rally and then talked about leadership in general. I think that was a shot across the bow of Kevin McCarthy. Uh, he still hasn't endorsed him for the House, only for his, uh, I'm sorry, for Speaker of the House, only for his House seat so far. And I, I kind of think we're, we're waiting on numbers to see where we're going to be with that. Yeah, I think that's right. I think Mitch McConnell needs to go. I think everyone recognizes that Mitch McConnell needs to go, and it's going to depend on how painful it is for him to go. I actually think Mitch McConnell is the kind of benchmark for the swamp draining. I mean, he'll be up for reelection again in 2026. And I think, you know, we're going to drain some of it in 22. We're going to drain more of it in 24. And then I think the big final flush is 2026 when the Mitch McConnell's and Lindsey Graham's are gone. Yeah, and you just have to assume that, you know, it's pretty interesting. He, he was pretty quiet on Joe Manchin 
I think for a majority of his presidency, uh, Joe Manchin tried to play it both ways. It lasted about six years. Then he jumped on this awful bill that he could have stopped that's going to just continue to ruin our economy. And as soon as he did that, Donald Trump called him out. I, I don't have any doubt in my mind that he'll find a primary challenger for him. Mitch McConnell in 2026 will be 86 years old. I think he's 81 or 82 now. Yeah, he's he's done. I mean, he's he's done in that seat. I also think the people of Kentucky aren't going to stand for it anymore. The only reason he won re-election was because Donald Trump came around and endorsed him in 2020. I think if President Trump hadn't endorsed him in 2020, he wouldn't be where he's at. So, uh, you know, Mitch McConnell, it, it appears, you know, I don't have any firsthand knowledge of this, but it, it appears that he owes a lot of people a lot of favors because he seems to be in pockets of, you know, everyone pockets. Yeah. So, you know, how many people have strings on him and how many people are going to be able to keep pulling their strings or is Mitch McConnell going to kind of fade to the side and allow his legacy to not be completely tarnished or is he going to go down as, you know, a traitor to our country? You know, that's his call and we'll see what he does. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, everybody knows that Mitch McConnell has been grooming uh, John Thune to be the eventual successor to him and take yeah, over. Never going to happen. Never going to happen. Donald Trump never will find some, somebody to primary him as well. That's a lot more America first. Speaking of which, uh, one of our favorite senators, Ron Johnson, who, you know, Essentially, throughout the course, well, the back end of the Trump presidency put his career on the line, standing mm-hmm. up to the Biden administration, advocating for veterans against lockdowns, education, all the COVID stuff. And now he's, you know, sticking his neck out there again and making that race tighter in Wisconsin because of all the problems he's causing with the uh, administrative state, talking about having these whistleblowers finally come out and, and you know, come and, and do a little oversight with the Senate. Let's hear it. understand how the attorney general can issue such an order. Uh, People who work for the federal government have the absolute right to come forward to Congress and be afforded whistleblower protection. And so, again, I'm calling on people, not just in the FBI, not just the Department of Justice, but if, if you are concerned about what is happening in your agency, the politicization of it, uh, it being weaponized against uh, American citizens, come talk to us. We'll afford you that whistleblower protection because, again, that's the only way we're going to restore confidence in these agencies. Uh, we need to expose the truth, and that's pretty much my mission. He's one, he's one of the good ones, huh, Christina? He's great. Ron Johnson is a true American patriot, and I'm grateful for his efforts on every front. He regularly and repeatedly picks the right fights to fight, and he fights them. And uh, there's not many not many senators that I think can do that, can say that they do that, and, and he does that. Yeah, in the middle of, in the, middle of the pandemic, uh, some of those panels he did with people who were getting vaccine injuries, their kids were getting hurt, yeah. uh, the repression of uh, alternative therapies, which are now, oh, it's, it's oh, so Oh, look, weird. it works, and CDC yeah. quietly changes their website to say, oops, you know, maybe ivermectin works, sorry, yeah. we killed a whole bunch of people. But, um, <laughs> and he, he does that. He also was great, he was a great advocate on election integrity stuff yes. and still has been with the Wisconsin Election Commission. You know, he's um, recommended that they be dissolved, as they should be, because they continue to break the law. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I think every every topic, he is right on the money with all of it. Yeah, no, you're 100% correct. And uh, I've always liked the work he's done. And I, I, I'd be, you know, very hoping that he gets a, another big win in November here as he's up for re-election. I saw he some should. of the polls. I, yeah. I can't imagine him not getting re-elected. It looked like he was plus four right now, which means he's probably closer to plus seven in real life. Uh, right. But it's it's one of those things where uh, who knows what could happen between now and then with the way those polls are. Well, it's the Wisconsin Election Commission. I mean, yep. he, that 
it's them. They're criminals. You know, are they gonna are they gonna empower people to cheat? Probably. So, you know, I, I don't know if you saw Janelle Branchin put out a, a press release. I think it was yesterday. Let me see if I can find it. She says, oh, talking about Eric, the Electronic Registration Information Center. She says it violates federal law. Hmm. And Janelle Branchin, the chairwoman of the election committee in Wisconsin, goes into great detail about how this organization that actually let me make this point. OK, so Eric, Eric, for those that aren't uh, familiar with uh you know, a lot of the election issues. Eric is a private organization run by crazy liberals that have worked their way into like 35 states or whatever. And they say, oh, don't worry about your voter rolls. We'll manage your voter rolls for you. So you don't have to have the headache of like making sure your elections are run legally. And Eric has like obliterated any sense of integrity and voter rolls for about 35 states. And they basically empower ballot stuffing. So, um, Janelle Branchen has gone off of them saying that they're violating federal law. So let's think about this. We all know that we don't want elections federalized, right? Like we don't want the federal government running our elections because they're more powerful at the state level. Well, what's the difference if you have corporations, one corporation running the election? It's no different. It's the same reason why we don't want that happening is we don't want the federal government doing it. We don't want one entity or one corporation, one federal government. We don't want them running our elections because you can cheat and it, it's too powerful to have it centralized in one area. So I think we need to get rid of these total tangent. Sorry, I just thought of it. But we've got to get rid of these rogue corporations that are not only are they running our elections and running it in a way that benefits their political viewpoint, but they're getting tax deductions for it. They're nonprofits and they're not paying taxes. So uh, for, all, for all the reasons why we don't want, you know, federal oversight on our elections, we've got to uh, we've got to get rid of these corporations. Yeah, these private corporations. That was a, that was a free public service announcement. Nice. You're welcome. Yeah, these, pub, these, <laughs> these corporations are basically just a wing of the government at that point. Yes, they are. But because it's not the federal government, everyone's like, oh, it's great. It's these nonprofits. Mm. Yeah, 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 they're radical liberals who are rigging things. No, I'm. Listen, that whole debacle they've got going up in Wisconsin, the pushback from the establishment there and, and the, the already established, uh, you know, voter system that they've got in place, just how hard they fought it proves beyond the shadow of a doubt all of the corrupt stuff that's been going on yeah. up there for years. Uh, yeah, you're right. We get into the, the the funny business that's been going on in the Blue Wall State. It's gotten out of control more with the drop boxes and the sucker bucks. And, yeah. and then you see the people who are supposed to be representing the, the constituents of Wisconsin, uh, their elected official go and fight against them to, uh, you know, basically deny them safe and secure uh, election integrity up there. Right. But Ron Johnson's the exception to that. He's been fantastic in jail branch. And there have been a few that have been great, but... Um Sorry, I was wondering how we got onto that. It was because of Ron Johnson. Yes, every Wisconsin resident, go out, vote for Ron Johnson in November. Yeah, I think he's going to be just fine. Well, I've got, I a I, I've got a tandem of short clips left for you, Christina. And uh, unfortunately, we circle back to Hillary Clinton, but Ugh. it's, it's, it's going to be <laughs> not as bad as you think. She sat down for an exclusive this week uh, on Person to Person, a CBS Sunday news show, and was talking about, uh, well, how sad she was that she lost the presidential election in 2016. And uh, they segued to ask her if, if, you know, she was going to run again. Let's hear. About the January 6th committee and Donald Trump's actions. I would not be honest if I didn't say I think there was a seditious conspiracy against 
the government of the United States. You had me at I would not be honest. Led yeah. by Donald Trump. <laughs> Led by Donald Trump, encouraged oh. by Donald Trump. You know, I was the Secretary of State. I spent, you know, many days on airplanes flying Laundering from place money to place, encouraging yeah. people Selling uh, uranium to, to our have enemies. a real democracy. And one I'm of the hallmarks of this. a real democracy is the peaceful transfer of power. Oh. Um, was I happy when I beat Donald Trump by nearly three million votes but lost the Electoral College? No, I was not happy. Did I even for a nanosecond think I'm going to claim victory and try to get the Democrats yeah. to refuse to certify the election? No. Mm. Mm. The lady looked yeah. like the lady that was interviewing looked like she had a gun to her back. She was just <laughs> sitting there all stiff, well, like scared. Well, Hillary Clinton's in the room. She kind of does. She yeah, probably did. Well, okay. So <laughs> the same people who are saying, "Oh, Donald Trump had this conspiracy to rig the election," and you know defraud the American government and it was so sophisticated that he stole the election are the same people who laugh at him and make fun of him because he doesn't have a political background and he didn't have a bench to fill his cabinet and to fill a bunch of people. So you're telling me someone who you make fun of for not having political backing and for not having all of the ins and outs with government that you felt he needed to have in order to come in and have a full cabinet and a full staff. You're saying it's that same guy who, who did a deep fake on the entire government establishment and like pulled the wool over everybody's eyes. You can't have it both ways. You either make fun of him saying he doesn't have a political background. He didn't have a bench and he didn't have, you know, the governmental sophistication to step into the office of the president, or he was so sophisticated that he fooled everybody, but he can't do both. Yeah. He's an evil mastermind or he's an idiot. Yes. You, he cannot be both. Wait, I'm, I'm, he's not a Russian spy anymore. <laughs> no, well, depends, he is a Russian spy. Oh, okay. He is yeah. a Russian spy. Yeah. That it was a mastermind and pulled the wool over everyone's eyes, but didn't know what he was doing and kind of did it on accident. But maybe it was on purpose. But yeah. So, <laughs> like KJP from last week and everyone else who called him illegitimate, we have played montages of it throughout the course of our years on Steak for Breakfast. I'm going to go a little bit in the Wayback Machine and uh, let's hear Hillary Clinton call Donald Trump illegitimate back in the day. <laughs> Rachel, that you had one of the Democratic nominees for 2020 uh, on your show. Mm -hmm. And that person said, you know, the only other adversary of ours who's anywhere near as good as the Russians is China. So why should Russia have all the fun? <laughs> and since Russia is clearly backing Republicans, why don't we ask China to back us? I hereby tonight ask China. That's so. right. And not only that, China, if you're listening, why don't you get Trump's tax returns? I'm sure our media would richly reward you. I hate her so much. She is like one of the worst people ever. Mm. It's going to be like a Disney villain when they <clears throat> die and they fall into like the pit and like the her, demons her fly feet, up into the air. Her are going to curl up like in Wizard of Oz. Oh, she can't die until the demons leave her, you guys. No. Come yeah. on, everybody knows that. <laughs> like when they, She's going to be 300 years old. When they plunge the, bolt, the boat into... Ursula and the Little Mermaid and all the demons came screaming out of her stomach. It's literally the way she's going to die. What if she morphs into Jabba the Hutt? In a pantsuit? On a floating barge. <laughs> Christina, I, I would be lying if I say uh, you having uh, some spending some time with us today isn't a treat because it always is. We love spending time with you. We wish you could do it more. Yeah, we had like a half hour off the clock. Uh, no, it's, it's really unfortunate that you're so busy out there working hard for the American people and saving America, literally and metaphorically. 
Well, thank you guys so much. I absolutely love your show. I love the dialogue discussion. And despite the fact that I often hate the <laughs> clips you pick, I love the clips you pick. They're fun to talk about. So thank you so much. I mean, technically you only got nauseous once, so I'll consider that a win. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone that's not following you on social media is Christina. Where can they find you? Uh, Christina Bob at Christina Bob on truth and getter. And then, uh, Christina underscore Bob on Instagram and Twitter. Well, of course, live link them in the show description today. And I'll be sending you dates super soon to come back. Hopefully. Yes. Yeah. At some point in the nearest of futures. Yep. Thank you guys. No, thank you. This is uh, attorney for save America. One of our great friends, Miss Christina Bob. Thanks for coming on the show. All right. Joining us next on the show today, her new show wrong. Think is premiering on LFA. In the beginning of October, we've been looking extremely forward to hosting her and, and are glad she's coming to join us for the first time today. Anna Perez, thanks for coming on Steak for Breakfast. Hey, thanks for having me. Really excited to be here. We're excited to have you. New show's getting ready to launch. Why don't you tell our listenership a little bit about that first, uh, what the vibe's going to be, what you're looking to accomplish, and uh, what the overall message is going to be. Yeah, well, you know, I noticed early on in, in media that a lot of outlets, a lot of shows kind of shied away from I think more controversial topics that even a lot of conservatives won't touch. So my goal with this show is to literally bring forth wrong think facts and opinions that you're not allowed to think about. Not, not first of all, not allowed to say, but also just not even, it's not even acceptable to think about these things according to the dominant narrative. And I would say even a lot of conservatives. So it's just, you know, conversations that you don't hear in media, like a lot of conversations about the vaccine, about, you know, child sex trafficking that goes on that we don't hear about from a lot of these mainstream outlets um, and even a lot of conservative outlets, we don't hear about it from there. So I want it to be something that is just, you know, different, something you won't hear on any other show, something you certainly won't hear on any other network. You know, LFA TV already launched this week and it's it's been really great, really successful, just some really great hosts. And we're really going, I think, overall, just for authenticity. Uh, we're not censored. It's very much pro-free speech. Uh, we talk about whatever we want to talk about. It's never about, we don't have some agenda. We don't have anybody telling us what we should and shouldn't say. So that's something I'm really excited to do and just be a part of because I've never been a part of something like that where it's truly, truly just you, you know, speaking and just being as free as you want. So that's really the goal, uh, specifically with my show, Wrong Thing. Yeah, you guys are putting a little something special together over there on, on LFA. Uh, one of our great friends, Mike Crispy, has already launched his show. It's airing daily. Uh, that just started this week, and then you're going to be joining the lineup. Uh, how do you think getting into an arena like that where you have so many of the, well, you guys are firebrands out there, bringing you like the unadulterated news that's unfiltered and uncentered is, is beneficial for, you know, in a time where we're living where it's just drive-by headlines everywhere you go and 90% of the time it, it's misinformation and, and things to just, you know, kind of direct the uneducated politically uh, uh, in which direction to go. Yeah, you know, I think it's really important, like I said, that we have more authentic voices because I don't see myself, and I would probably say this is true for everyone on LFA TV, um, I don't see myself as like this anchor who knows more than everybody else. I think there's this whole, you know, it's, it's this veneer of perfectionism that you see on places like Fox News and other outlets that are similar to that. Um, even Newsmax, for example, not that I have anything against, uh, you know, the anchors there or anything, but it, it's still playing into this whole old guard media sort of setup where it's more about how it looks, the presentation and everything needs to be perfect. Everything needs to be that people are so sick and tired of that. They really just want to hear uh, the truth. They want to hear people's real people speaking, real people's opinions. 
Like, I don't have to sit here and make sure everything I say, I don't have to put reportedly in front of everything I say, reportedly this, reportedly that. No, I'm going to speak the way I would to anybody else, the way, the way I would speak to my friends, uh, the way I would speak to anyone if I were explaining something. And I just think it's so condescending. A lot of anchors present themselves on TV and people see it. They're sick and tired of it. They first saw it was with, you know, the mainstream media, but it's trickling down to even some, you know, larger, more independent media networks. And it's just, you know, people don't want that. And it's, it's not, especially young people, especially the new right. We don't want to hear from, you know, the old, the old guard, the old boomer style anchor desk people. We want to hear from people who are, you know, young and, and um, not even necessarily young, just people who are willing to be authentic and speak the truth and, and talk to you like you're a normal person. Yeah, I think that's one of the largest components with the success that people like you, people like Mike Crispy and that we've had with our show. It's, you know, I'm not young in any means necessary, but the fact of the matter is, is we tell it how it is. We kind of give that unfiltered narrative about it that it seems like people really appreciate. We kind of like to deconstruct and then go through everything instead of just saying like, you know, oh, it's the end of the world if this happens or it's the worst thing ever if that happens. It's a, those, those things are stuff that you could get from Boomer Sweat's Sean Hannity every night on Fox News and, and you know, some of the older right. commentators that are out there and stuff. And, and at the end of the day, look what it's accomplished. Absolutely nothing. Our country is in the worst position that it's ever been uh, in modern history. And it doesn't look like there's any chance of it getting better anytime soon, at least between now and January with the midterm elections come up. Uh, one of the things I wanted to ask as our listenership's getting to hear you for the first time, what are some of the things that you're passionate about that you are looking to bring to your show? What are some of the things that you're working on and really want to educate your audience on as it's getting ready to launch pretty soon here? Yeah, well, I'm really concerned about the the Biden administration. Obviously, everybody says that, but I think more on the social aspect of it, it's, it's pretty nefarious what's going on. I mean, you see a lot of these affirmative action hires that it's not even just about affirmative action. I mean, these people are pretty much satanic. Like you look at the new guy that was just hired a doctor, whatever his name is, it was some long name. Uh, he has a Pentagon tattoo on his chest. I mean, these are pretty bad people that the Biden administration is hiring. I mean, you, you look at Sam Brinton who has yep. ties to defending pedophilia ties to defending, uh, th this gay prostitution website that is known for exploiting, uh, underage boys. So it's like, this is pretty serious stuff and never before in American history have we allowed things on this level to happen so openly. Um, and, and of course on the more, on the lesser level, you have just idiots like Corinne Jean-Pierre who yeah. doesn't even know what she's saying half the time. <laughs> um, but it's so much worse than that. And I really just want to expose these people for really who they are and really what uh, the Biden administration is allowing to happen um, in society. And of course the, the border is a huge issue because there's human trafficking going on. And it's like, the real question here is why would the Democratic Party support this? And why would some Republicans allow this to go on? Well, there's got to be a, a deeper answer there. I mean, sure, a lot of them are just incompetent. Uh, but I think there's something worse going on here. I think that there's a lot of uh, evil things going on. I mean, it's, it's just it's so obvious. And, and, and we're told to just look the other way. And I'm so tired of that. And I'm so tired of people just, you know, observing the very surface level observations of, oh, they're just incompetent or, oh, Green John here is just stupid. No, it's far worse than that. And I think somebody needs to finally call it out for what it is. No, I mean, yeah, they know exactly what they're doing. They're just that's the role that they're stuck playing. Yeah, and it's it's multifaceted when you look at it. There are the people who are going like, you know, the political headshots like the Susan Rices and all the other people from the Obama administration, Lisa Monaco, Jake Sullivan, people that learned how to weaponize the DOJ and the FBI and the Department of Homeland Security that are going after political rivals. But then when you talk about what you're getting into, Anna, getting on the ground of it, like, 
why are literal people who have extremely questionable stuff when it comes to like pedophilia and just absolutely degenerate behavior like the nuclear waste manager uh you mentioned the monkeypox uh you know, task force coordinator, John Podesta's back in the mix now. No one's creepier mm-hmm. than that guy when it comes to the weird shit with the kids. And 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 that's like a whole nother level and component to it. Then when you talk about the border, uh, the amount of people that have died and, and the, the large element of human and, and sex trafficking that's going on and the, the absolute unadulterated abuse of children, uh, you know, it's something that... You, you, you don't even see in third world countries because most third world countries have militarized borders. I mean, this is something like we've never seen before. And we're looking at close to maybe 5 million people coming in by the end of the fiscal year. It's just we have no idea who these people are. They're just being absolutely released, unadulterated into our country. And the way yeah. that that just destabilizes communities all across the United States, it seems like it's something that's sadly coordinated by the forces at will that are working behind the scenes. Yeah, and you mentioned how other countries are allowed to have actual border security. And for some, whatever reason, the United States is called racist whenever we do. And I'm so tired of being apologetic to that narrative. I'm so tired of people apologizing for being white and for being like, it's just this, it plays into the whole apologetic narrative. And really what it's meant to do is weaken American society. It's meant to weaken our structure, our infrastructure, and, and allow uh, these and various things to go on. And to your point, all you have to do is look at these other third world countries, by the way, and see how they run their country. You think Mexico would let in people the way we let people in? No. We have people coming into the United States, not just from South America or Central America. We have people coming into the United States from around the world. Ben Burkwam, he's a border correspondent at RAV. He does a great job covering this. He's talked about, you know, all of the things that go on with the U.N. and how they allow all these other people. They facilitate people coming in from countries around the world. Uh, that have nefarious motives. It, it's, you know, child trafficking. It's a it's a worldwide network, and it's all going through the United States. People think we're this, you know, this country that's untouchable because we have this fantastic constitution. Well, I have news for everyone. That constitution is only as, as good as we defend it. And if we're not defending it well, then we can't actually enforce it. And all of these things are going on. We're not the United States that we set out to be. I don't know how that could be any more obvious. Yeah, we, we, we've seen some things you know, go down over the last couple decades that have really, um, it's it's past the point of circumventing the Constitution. We're at a point right now to where it's just not adhered to, and, and this administration has put that on full display. Their globalist motives and intentions when it comes to the Green New Policy and the destruction of the middle class, which essentially erases the identity of the United States because that's what this country was built on, the hardworking blue-collar middle class, Combined with all this crazy stuff going on, I mean, you could say, like, the statistically, they, they point out the fact that, like, 65% of the Biden administration had no prior experience into the jobs that they were moved into uh, when Joe Biden uh, assumed office there. And, and that's including cabinet members. But then when you when you look at some of these just, like, creepy people that they're putting in there and, you know, Randy Levine and, and it's, just, <laughs> it, it's ridiculous. And, yeah. and, and it, like, you know. There are countries where stuff like this aren't happening, uh, that that it's not happening, and it just happens to be some of our biggest geopolitical enemies. Like, we don't see— And they're laughing at us. Exactly, but in addition to laughing at us, they're getting ready to put the squeezes on because, you know, as Russia cuts off all of the energy that they give, uh, you know, basically to the world and and, and allows China to buy— uh, energy from M using their own currency instead of the, the global standard, which is the U.S. dollar. And and as China's getting ready to, you know, probably before the Biden uh, 
you know, administration is out of there, go and, and do some kind of military action against Taiwan. We're, we're just in no position to do anything here except kind of waddle in the mess that we've made for ourselves. Yeah. And I love how whenever you pointed out, like you brought up Ukraine, yeah. uh, you were the bad guy. You were the bad guy when you pointed all of that out. You wanted Ukrainians to get hurt. You wanted families to die. You wanted puppies to die. You wanted babies to die. No, the, first of all, the party that wants babies to die is the Democratic Party. Yes. Uh, but as far as Ukraine goes, uh, no, you, you, the Ukrainians were being used as human shields in mm -hmm. all of this. Um, so when you defend, um, when you talk, speak out about this, you're not, it, you know, speaking out against the Ukrainian people. You're speaking out against the Ukrainian government. Of mm -hmm. course, Zelensky is completely corrupt. Anybody who called that out in the very beginning, people would lash out at and say, even in the cons in conservative media, um, people would get so upset when you talked about that. And then it took months, once again, for people to catch on to what was really happening. I mean, these people are laughing at us. I mean, Zelensky goes to bed laughing to himself, you know, at night, thinking like, wow, I really got these losers. I really got them all to think that, you know, this is something that it's not. Um, China laughing at us even more. And, you know, I worry about our military right now, too, as far as our ability to handle these things should we get into a serious conflict with China. Because right now, I think, you know, the focus is really on uh, basically just gender transitioning and, and being as supportive as we, as we can to that and allowing everyone in. Love is love. It doesn't matter if you can't actually meet the physical requirements to be in the military. As long as you're uh, a lesbian woman or a gay transgender, what, that doesn't even make sense. But, you know, all of these <laughs> weird labels, you know, it doesn't even matter about whether How or not they're you. actually fit to be in the military. And the feminization of our military, I mean, like a year ago, it's like we're living in clown world. Joe Biden was giving a speech about making maternity flight suits. Yep. I mean, seriously, I, I don't, I'm scared for our military. I mean, I, look, I'm not no expert. I'm not claiming to be a military expert, but I'm a normal person who can think and see and see what, I, what I'm looking at as something that's scary for, you know, a nation that is supposed to have the best military in the world. Yeah, our readiness right now is something that, is very concerning to a lot of people. And, well, the uh, people that are actually in the military are being disenfranchised by all the bullshit that's going yep. on, too. So you have your hard chargers, your pipe hitters, the guys that you want in the military because they will go take care of business. And those people are thinking about, yeah, maybe I don't want to do 20 years. Maybe I'm maybe I'm okay with this eight years, nine years, and I'm just going to bail. Like, why would you want to stay? the vaccine requirement. Oh, yeah. the vaccine requirement, too, which... It's a whole other beast. Oddly enough, like, even though the vaccine stuff is basically over, I mean, they're still kind of working that paperwork still to get people kicked out. So, so you're telling me the greatest fighting force in the history of fighting forces isn't okay with gender-neutral barracks assignments? <laughs> maybe maybe not so much. Not, not that they're not okay with it, but that it has no point and no purpose in being a lethal force, yep. which is what the military's for. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a, it's a disgrace right now what they've done to our military. I saw Tucker Carlson the other day was talking about how uh, our embarrassment of a Secretary of Defense went and, and, you know, was grifting for more money. It's So, Anna, on our show, we use uh, border walls as a uh, foreign aid currency. And just in the last eight months to Ukraine, remember, we shut down the U.S. government for almost six months for a measly $3.5 billion dollars. Uh, because the border wall was the most racist thing in the history of the galaxy. We have sent 22 border walls worth of money over to Ukraine in the last eight months. How I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's shocking, but not surprising because, yep. I mean, this regime wants them to win. They, we want everybody else to win except ourselves. 
And the left is on board with this. I think there's two tiers on, in the left. I think there's the useful idiots. And I think there's the people who know what they're doing and they want to see America's demise. That's exactly what they're rooting for. Uh, the useful idiots, of course, being fat, blue-haired college women <laughs> who, you know, ultimately don't know what they're talking about, but see something that sounds nice and, 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 and sweet and caring about everybody else in the world. Uh, and, and they don't know. And they're voting for these people in office. They, they're the reason why, well, obviously voter fraud is the main reason, mm. but they're the reason for a lot of the votes for Joe Biden. Yep. So, I mean, it's it's so sad that we, and I think part of it is, well, the main reason is our horrible education system. And we really fail to educate people properly on our constitution and our and American history. I mean, so many people are historically illiterate. So that's why we're seeing so much of this, uh, so much of this going on, people are voting for things. They don't really realize what it is that they're voting for. Yeah, when you talk about all the, the blue-haired meanies and stuff like that, like... Our favorite. Those are the people <laughs> who, no matter how many times they contradict themselves and what and what they're spouting and their rhetoric and stuff like that, they will still never admit they're wrong, even when something slaps them in the face, like Joe Biden's complete failure as a president. They're still just, well better him than trump it's mm. like what yeah yeah as they're as they're pumping gas yeah and getting their thermostats manually turned down oh. from uh the guys who are controlling the power grid and one of the things we talked about uh heading into you joining us today throughout the week uh you pointed out a good story that we didn't play on our show because i wanted to do it with you so we'll, we'll just lay it out a little bit we, we've seen some interesting stuff over the past couple of weeks uh muro bowser uh, mayor of D.C. and then Beetlejuice up in Chicago are complaining <laughs> that uh, southern border governors have turned their sanctuary cities into essentially border towns. So that virtue single completely backfired on them right now. Their their social and public services are completely overwhelmed. Stacey Abrams over the course of the last month or so called Georgia a shithole and doesn't know why anybody wants to live there. And then you, have, of course, had the uh, twerking state uh, senator from Rhode Island uh, parlay that into a Project Veritas expose that came out in the course of the last week. Uh, South Carolina State Representative Crystal Matthews was talking about, uh, you know, her plan to basically infiltrate politics and, uh, well, how she feels about white people. I brought the audio clip so we could hear it. Let's check it out so our listenership can get caught up to speed. I just think it's heavily Republican. It's heavily white. You're not a stranger to white people. I'm from a mostly white town. Yeah. And let me tell you one thing. You gotta know who you're dealing with. Like, yeah. you, you gotta treat them like s. Like, I mean, yeah. that's the only way yeah. I respect you. Yeah, no. I, I, I keep them right here, like, under my thumb. Like, yeah. that's where I keep them. Like, yeah. like, you have to. Yeah. Otherwise, they get out of control, like kids. Trust me. <laughs> so, you know, like, for me, all these other people are tiptoeing around them, and I'm like, no, that's some white I ain't doing that. They'd be like, well, I'm just going to say some white Yeah. And that was my problem with Bernie, because he was talking to an all-black crowd, and he was afraid to say black I said, if I'm talking to an all-black crowd, I'm going to say black Yeah. if you don't like it, you get your white ass up and read. Those are always better when you have the subtitles to read. That was kind of hard. Yeah, but, I mean, the gist of it was is that well, she knows that she needs to keep white people in her district under her thumb because if you don't, they get out of control like children. Hmm. Uh, it's confirmed now that Bernie Sanders is not black because he was afraid to talk black to blacks. And doesn't matter where you get your campaign money from. If the drug dealers want to donate, she's more than open to it. And when you see some of the stuff that's going on with the absolute degenery around our country regarding some of these people that are getting into politics and, and just the sole fact that they're being allowed to... Uh, how is something like this 
not more of a major story? Because people are scared to talk about issues like this. They're scared to talk about race in particular. And the reality is that the left has completely gone insane when it comes to this race narrative. Racists are not on every street corner, okay? There aren't a lot of racists in America. I bet, and I make this joke all the time, but it's kind of not really a joke. Mm. I don't know the exact number, obviously, but I would say if you round up, round up all of the racists in the United States of America, they could probably fit in my studio apartment, Okay. It's not this extremely common view to have. And the idea that we've been brainwashed to think that every white person is racist is insane. I mean, I'm a Hispanic woman and I can tell you that, you know, Hispanics are far more racist than white people. White people are the most accepting people, you know, I've ever met in my life. Actually, I've seen racism far more from uh, Hispanic liberals and and black liberals than than whites. It's just a fact. I'm sorry. And you can ask anybody about this. Uh, But look, it's just, it's such a lie. And on top of that, you know, so many white people play into it and so many white conservatives play into it. They they act like the problem is we don't talk about it. Right. And so then it becomes this issue that everybody just buys into. No, I'm sick and tired of playing along with these race games. Um, You don't have to acquiesce to the, to the left. You don't have to play the same game. You know, it's funny. You mentioned, I was telling Mike Crispy the other day, I was saying like, it's so funny how, you know, they, they have to acquiesce. These candidates feel like they have to acquiesce to Hispanics and blacks. It's like, as a Hispanic, I don't want to hear what, I don't wake up in the morning and say, hmm, how do I feel as a Hispanic woman? No, I feel, I say to myself, or I think to myself, I don't actually say this to myself. I think to myself, like, what can this candidate do for me as an American, as somebody living in the United States, somebody who is affected by the policies uh, that are, you know, created by our leaders, not, it has nothing to do with my race. Um, but because we bought into all the fact that it does, people like her are able yep. to get away with saying those things. And imagine, just imagine, if somebody who was white said that about black people. Oof. I mean, they'd be done for. I mean, and they wouldn't say it because it wouldn't even cross their minds. But black people know, black people in this country now know today that they can get away with stuff like that. And she's actually absolutely right. She does have to treat white people like shit if she wants to get support from her party because that's their mentality. That is the way that they they get support. And it's those fat, blue-haired leftists that are usually fairly well-off and have never met black people in their lo- in their life uh, that actually buy into that. It's because, like, somebody like, like your normal middle, like, middle-class working American knows a whole slew of different types of people, whether, like, socially, I mean, uh, racially and working class-wise or whatever, class-wise. Like, they, they have all sorts of, they have a very diverse friend group. Uh, or, or people that they know at least. Whereas, you know, up, these upper middle class white people, they only are around each other. So they like black people in theory. They don't like them in practice. Yeah. And that's why they pass all of the, or they, they get away with, or that's why they fall in line with all of these things that uh, black people want to do because they see them as these like exotic pets. It's really bizarre. They see minorities as these exotic pets that, you know, can get away with whatever. They don't see them as like real people. And to me, that's real racism. Like, I don't look at a a black person and think any differently than I would about a white person based on their race. Like, I don't care. Um, And same with other people, like normal people. But, you know, the elites, they actually see minorities as their little pets. And and that's why people like her are allowed to get away with that. Because it's like, oh, okay, no, I understand. Like, you're different from me. You were treated differently. Uh, You can get away with what they want. It's like they're treating them like they're retarded little kids. It's, It's really bizarre. No, I mean that's a it's great... like it's like that scene from the opening of Office Space when he's like listening to like the gangster rap, like yep. just throw a BLM T-shirt on him, and then he's like locking the door when the black guy walks by. Talking about damn, <laughs> damn, it feels good to be a gangster. Yeah, it's a great song. Um, 
that's a good analogy you made, Anna. And it's so weird. We were just talking about it over the last couple of weeks because it's been revealed that John Meacham, uh, racist historian, uh, proprietor of things like the Founding Fathers, would have completely embraced the 1619 Project and uh, critical race theory has been one of the architects of these speeches that the Biden administration and the talking points that people like KJP have been, you know, spouting from the podium over the last couple of months in regards to kind of, you know, putting people that support Donald Trump into like their own sect, a sect that eventually needs to be exterminated. And uh, it's these underlying tones of this racial divisiveness, now social and political divisiveness, that, that we're getting to a point to where, you know, we're, we're going to reach, a, a, you know, a, a time where, where it's gone too far. And then what happens? Does it does it become kinetic? Does it spiral out of control like we saw, uh, you know, stuff happen in, in this country in the past? And, and how do we move on from it and or start to, you know, get away from things like that? Yeah, no, that's a that's a really good point, because I mean, you see what's happening in South Africa right now. No one will cover the story, of course. Lauren Southern covered it back, I think, in like 2018 mm-hmm. in her documentary Farmlands. But uh, she talked about, you know, what's going on in South Africa, which is basically there is a white genocide. Yep. Um, there's horrible stories of people being like boiled alive, uh, tor- just horrible torture that goes on with these white farmers. Uh, they're just trying to live their lives, make a living, you know live happily with their family and they're, you know, tortured by black people who I guess feel as though they need some revenge on white people, uh, because of, you know, the apartheid or whatever their reasoning is, you know, but the thing is, I, I do fear for the United States that if we don't fix the problem, we will become like South Africa and we will be in a society where that is possible. And you might think you're listening, you might be listening to me right now and think, Oh, that's crazy. That'll never happen here. Yeah, they say that every single time about literally every single issue. So I'm sick and tired of hearing people say that because we do have to do something about it. And we have to stop teaching things like critical race theory to our kids in school because it's very divisive. And children don't know. They're just going to go home and tell their moms, hey, mommy, I'm I'm racist because I'm white. I mean, what a horrific thing to teach kids from such a young age. And even the left will admit it. You know, racism is taught, not learned. It's taught. You're not born with not with feeling that way. Um, and then that's absolutely true. You're teaching these kids to either despise themselves because they're white or yep. despise other people because they're white. Um, that's just as bad as the other way as the other way around if it were to be black people. So I don't I do think we're regressing because we're just going to become the same society we were, uh, you know, prior to the civil rights movement. Yeah. And we're definitely getting into places like that. We bring it up on the show all, all the time. Those major cities across our country of great historical importance and how they're virtually unlivable right now and have basically turned into racial war zones. Well, they also, they're emboldening people to commit these types of crime. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, you're getting, you're, you're getting street cred and you're getting released without bail. Yeah. Like what Illinois now, uh, January 1st is going to be no cash bail for a, just a myriad of horrendous shit that you can get away with now. Yep. Yeah, Illinois. It, it was uh, Peacock. Peacock was was talking about it. Keith Peacock up yeah. for a house seat in in Illinois. He's he's running on a solid platform. He's been an amazing mayor out there in uh, the city that he's working out. But he was talking about that safety bill that's on the agenda. It, it, I don't know if you've seen it yet, Anna. It's like you know, no cash bail for like aggravated assault, aggravated DUI. Like you can no longer call the police to physically remove people. Like let's just say someone like kicked in your front door and sat on your couch and say, I won't leave. 
The police can't do anything about it, and the only person who could get in trouble is you, depending on what level of use of force you do to remove that person from your private property. Yeah, it's wild. People who have, like, ankle monitors on and stuff, the police aren't allowed to act uh, for up to 48 hours after the ankle monitor's been tampered with or removed. That's essentially driving from Illinois. You can make it to to Alaska. Yeah, he uses that. I have the actual audio if you want to hear it. Yeah, let's listen to it real quick. That's a good one. Following things will go into effect, and people need to be aware of this. It abolishes cash bail for almost every offense. This includes, but isn't limited to, kidnapping, armed robbery, second-degree murder, drug-induced homicide, aggravated DUI, threatening a public official, and aggravated fleeing and eluding. Offenders released on electronic monitoring have to be in violation for 48 hours before law enforcement can act. They could almost drive to Alaska. Before we can even look for them, it denies victims their constitutional rights. And keep this in mind, businesses and homeowners, officers will no longer be able to remove trespassers from your resident, residence or your businesses. Someone could decide to live in your shed, and all we can do is give them a ticket. You have to decide what level of force is required to remove them and whether or not it's legal. This is a massive threat to the residents of Orland Park, Cook County, and Illinois. Yeah, so if you're in somewhere like California, for instance, when there's shanty towns and cities of homeless people just on the other side of your fence that you have, your chain link fence, your wood fence, whatever, your four foot high freaking bushes, like if they decide that they want to like, hey, you know what? This is a nice yard. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come live under your gazebo. Mm-hmm. You can't get rid of them. Nope. It's insanity. Yeah, this is the society we're moving into. And, and you know, you don't have to be uh, a quantum physicist to understand that <laughs> this affects certain demographics and not the other. And the only thing that this is doing is basically, again, continuing to break down the middle class and getting us to a society where it's just like... We live in a society. We do live in a society where it's just like a bunch of animals with no governance over us. And uh, it's really sad and unfortunate to see things like that. But look at how bad Chicago's been over the last decade. It's, it's virtually unlivable. There's It's not known for... Dozens of shootings and, and tens of murders every weekend there. And, you know, you get to a point to where you take pretty much any consequence away for anything you do other than murder... And what is it going to be like in a couple of years now? And, uh, you know, the, the, the fall of, of our historically important cities, Philadelphia, New York, Washington, D.C., Chicago, all the way to the West Coast, Los Angeles, and, and San Francisco are virtually unlivable. And this is the society that the radical progressive globalists want us to be in. Yeah, and, you know, it's so funny. Well, not funny, it's sad. This whole time I'm thinking, well, who does this affect the most? Well, it affects women the most. I think it would be yes. the worst, worse for them puts them in a bad position. You know, there's a rapist that somebody rapes someone. Now a rapist is on the run or they could be hiding out in your shed. What if you're a single woman uh, and some rapist is hiding out in your shed and they rape you? Like there's nothing that you can do about it. Like it's absolutely frightening. And that's of course coming from the party that claims to care about women. Uh, So that's of course a problem right there. Uh, But yeah, to your point, I mean, I'm from Philly or outside of Philly really. And uh, it's just a disgrace to see what's happened to the city of Philadelphia. I mean, the, the city that was once home to our con- to the you know foundation of our country. The it's just you know it's really hard seeing all of this happen. You know you know and to your point also, who's safe at the end of the day? Well, it's the same way they treat the border. Like you have yep. Nancy Pelosi who talks about she doesn't want a wall, but then she lives literally behind a wall herself. So obviously she knows walls work. None of these people have actually ever experienced it for themselves. 
uh, living in situations like that, they don't care. Not only do they not care, they want this to happen. And so, but they know that it will never affect them. They don't actually go, a lot of these people don't actually even live in their districts. So they don't actually have to experience the disgusting, the crime riddenness in these cities, like, like, uh, or even just the pure dis- disgusting of uh, the sanitary conditions are like in San Francisco, yeah. there's actually an app that tells you uh, when you're going to step in human feces yep. because it's so common that you do. There's heroin needles all over the place. I mean, you could see this, you know, openly on Twitter. It's, it's disgusting. And like, this is Nancy Pelosi's district. This is the woman who's supposed to be supposed to be, uh, you know, defending the middle class, defending poor people, defending blue collar workers. Yeah, no, that's not the case or else. San Francisco would be a much nicer city um, and a lot of cities around the country, such as Philadelphia, as I mentioned, even New York, you know, uh, we were, we had high hopes for uh, mayor Eric Adams and he's not really doing that great up there. Of course, they're now accepting all of those uh, migrants into their city. And it's just, it's just such a mess. And they know that they'll never have to deal with it. It's just going to create more chaos, which is exactly what they want. Yeah, it certainly is. And, you know, when you talk about that and then parlay it into all of the, uh, censorship that goes on in regarding to people in our neck of the woods it's so hard to report the real news and to get these narratives across and to our listenership every week i mean in addition to you know putting in the work that obviously we do for all of our shows uh anna you've been on television for a while and we've been doing this for several years now uh if, if you didn't just randomly come across it or or be someone that regularly tunes into like you know let's just say the network you're on you wouldn't even know we're out there as an alternative voice, alternative media that's bringing like the actual stories that are impactful to the people that need to hear it, which is the, you know, average people that live in this country. And, and, you know, we, we've saw that thing that's uh, up on Capitol Hill right now. They're kind of debating on it, the JCPA, which would, you know, cartelize legacy media and further push us off the cliff to doing any kind of news extinction, how alarming is it to you to, uh, you know, see them kind of backroom negotiate something that could lead to uh, repression of all alternative news, which I tell you what, over the course of the last couple of years is, has been hitting home runs a lot more than the mainstream media. Yeah, well, it's, it's frightening. Uh, but I think, you know, the American people will have a say in this. I think ultimately it won't be as successful as the left hopes it will. Uh, because even when you saw the uh, disinformation, I believe that, they hired that Nina Jankowitz, I think yep. was her name, the disinformation person who they wanted to appoint in the Biden administration. It was a new role completely, uh, not to mention this very strange woman that they wanted to fill it for yeah. a role that shouldn't even exist. Um, the American people were not happy about it. I don't care if you're a leftist or you're a Republican, whatever you are, like you cannot sit here and tell me that that is in line with our Constitution at all. That is crazy. That is so anti-free speech, so anti-First Amendment. And um, I think... Because of the backlash, they wound up not appointing her. I mean, they may not come out and say that. Uh, but really, I think the, the reality is they're not going to be able to get as, away with as much as they hope they are. Right. In their dream world and their dystopia, of course, they would get away with it. But And they, and they want to control every single aspect of speech. They want to shut down. Uh, I'm sure they would love nothing more than to shut down places like Getter and yeah. Gab and Truth. I mean, th- they hate that that even exists. But... The reality is they don't have the power that they think they do, and that's the that's the good part. But the only way that we will stop them from getting away from with this is if people actually speak out and they use these platforms to speak out about it. And 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 I, and I know people are always like, well, why do you use Twitter? You shouldn't use Twitter because it's part of the 
of big tech and you should be only using these other platforms. No, I'm on Twitter because that's exactly what they want. Yeah. They want me to leave. They want, and I'll, you know, when they, I'm sure they're going to silence me at some point. I know they already shadow banned me. Um, but I know that they're going to silence me at some point and fine. Then obviously like I can't use it at all, but I will not, you know, acquiesce to what these people are saying. And I think that's the attitude we need to have. And you know what? I, to put it in Steve Bannon's terms, terms, you're going to have to kill me first before I shut up about this stuff. And I think that's the attitude that we need to take on, which is very revolutionary esque. And I think, you know, that is exactly what these times are calling for. Yeah, it certainly is. And uh, you know what? One thing I do have to fact check you on, you sure can use Twitter once they eliminate you. We're on our 12th account. (laughs) (laughs) We've we've lost about 12,000 legitimate followers and getting all of those, uh, you know, people that work up on Capitol Hill who we have a lot of respect for to get them to follow. We just got Tom Massey to follow us again. And he's like, he sent me a DM. He's like, where'd you guys go? Did you unfollow? (laughs) I was like, no, sir, don't be alarmed. It's our 12th account, but I can assure you it's us. He's like, yeah, I saw you guys tagging me, but I kept thinking like, I already followed you guys. And (laughs) it's, it's just absolutely ridiculous what they're doing right now. And believe me, if they had the ability to, uh, you know, do anything that they wanted without any regulation, we'd all be in, in prison. But, uh, Mm And I'll tell you yeah. what, this this has been really great sitting down with you today. I, I I can only, you know, think that this won't be the last time you appear on our show. I think our listenership is really going to enjoy hearing our voice. And, and, of course, once you get your show up and rolling and, and get a couple episodes under your belt, we'd love to have you back to get a full update. But uh, for all of our followers who aren't, you know, dialed into where they could find you, uh, can you tell us your social media and uh, where your show is going to appear? And we'll live link it in the description today. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so you can find me on Getter, Gab, Instagram, Twitter, like I mentioned, um, pretty much everywhere. It's Anna Perez DC. So it's the same username across the board. And uh, for my show on LFA TV, which they've already launched other shows, uh, they have Anthony, uh, sorry, Antonio Sabato Jr. They have, of course, Jeremy Harrell, who is sort of spearheading the whole thing. Mike Crispy, uh, the guys from Loud Majority are on there. Uh, you can find that at Rumble. Um, so we have our own channel on there, LFA TV. So I think well, Rumble is sponsoring a lot of the operations. So uh, definitely catch us on Rumble. We also stream it on Getter too, so you can catch us there. Yeah, some great places to check out. Some great voices. We'll be looking forward to hearing your show, which is going to be called Wrong Think, early October on LFA TV. Miss Anna Perez, thanks for coming on Steak for Breakfast today. Thank you so much for having me. It was great. Take care. A very sad day here in the United Kingdom. Um, how are you feeling, Donald Trump? Well, it is a sad day. It's sad all over the world. She was a woman that was just extraordinary, Nigel, just an extraordinary woman, a great woman. Who could be greater than what she's done? And she did it so long so well and never made mistakes, if you think about it, right? Just never made mistakes. She was an incredible person. And it's a very sad day. No, she really was. And I know that uh, your mother, um, who, of course, you know, came from the Western Isles in Scotland, um, and you told me once that, I mean, she was a great fan of the Queen, wasn't she? She was. My mother came from Stornoway, and she uh, loved anything to do with the Queen. She would watch if they had a ceremony, even the smallest of ceremonies. When uh, the Queen was on, my mother would be there watching. Uh, She was a tremendous fan. She was a tremendous fan indeed. So you kind of grew up with the Queen, in a sense, although growing up in America, in that household, you grew up, uh, you know, with the Queen and knowing who the Queen was, absolutely. What was it like? I mean, there you were, President of America, coming to Buckingham Palace, meeting the Queen, having tea with the Queen, spending time with her. I mean, what did that mean to you? 
Well, we were going to spend just a short period of time, and we just got along really well, and we spent a lot more time than people thought, and uh, it was uh, it was really quite something. We just we just got along very well. We had a good chemistry, and then, as you remember, that evening there was a big celebration, and I sat next to the Queen, and we just talked all night long. She was uh, incredible. She was incredible to speak to, and so sharp. Her mind was so sharp, and uh, just. To be with her was uh, something very special. No, and amazing to think, isn't it, that she, two days ago, performed her last official duty, welcoming Liz Truss as the new British Prime Minister, saying goodbye to Boris Johnson. And when you think that the first Prime Minister that she met was Winston Churchill, that she herself wore uniform in World War II, I mean, it's almost beyond belief, isn't it? Well, it is, and, uh, you know... She would stay out of controversy, and, uh, you know, there was always controversy with the family, perhaps, but she was so brilliant. And I'll never forget, I'd say, who was your favorite president? And she'd say, why, I liked them all. I liked every one of them. I said, no, no, but who did you like the best? Well, actually, I liked them all. I said, who is your favorite prime minister? Why, I loved them all. I liked them all, every one of them. <laughs> you know, there was just... She knew how to do it. She was a professionalist. <laughs> you wouldn't walk out and say, she liked this one, she liked that one, she liked them all. And uh, she was something very special. Well, she had a very, very special art of diplomacy. She was absolutely brilliant at dealing with questions like that. And can I just say a big thank yep. you to you for coming on, joining us this evening, sharing your thoughts. And I know that right across, I think the entirety of the English-speaking world and beyond. You know, she was this just this most extraordinary, astonishing figure. And I'm assuming that in America, there'll be a lot of talk, a lot of discussion about her, won't there? Well, this is a world event. This is a very, very sad day. It was a day that was coming, obviously, but it, it's a very sad event. It's shaking, actually, and uh, beyond your country. Uh, and it's uh, for good reason. She was a great woman, a great queen, and somebody that will be very, very sadly missed. On that very, very strong note, Donald Trump, thank you very much indeed for joining us this evening. Thank you, and Nigel. Pay- I'm paying your thank tribute. You. Thank you. Well, it was the 45th President of the United States weighing in on uh, the passing of Queen Elizabeth, which has happened in the last 48 hours or so. Um, you know, regardless of the colonialism and globalist ties that, you know, the English monarchy has has morphed into over the years. There's a lot of positive stuff that came out of, you know, her rule of the British Empire. Um, Well, look at it this way. Places in Africa aren't doing so great since the British pulled out. Nope. And a lot of the infrastructure that's still extremely workable today in places like India, uh, you know, are still there. And a lot of that has to do with the Queen. I think in the context of our show and how it kind of fits into the steak for breakfast mold is, uh, you know, the dynamic of the relationship between her and Donald Trump. Uh, he wasn't lying. They were, they were showing still shots throughout that whole interview portion because obviously it sounded like President Trump did that interview over the phone and possibly from the bathroom with the, uh, you know, echo that was going on there. But she just really liked his wit and his humor uh, the queen was known to be quite the shit talker 
herself and and was extremely critical of people which at times made them feel extremely uncomfortable but that's just the way she kind of was she was very witty and uh she knew how to talk some crap so it was one of those things where uh you know sad to see someone go obviously prince charles is now king charles the third there uh, he will have the shortest hair of the three. Uh, pretty interesting to see when someone goes almost 72 years of life without ever having a job finally get thrown into. Uh, I saw the meme about that where it's yeah. just like when he's, he's got like the goofy look on his face and it's like when you go 72 years unemployed and all of a sudden you have to work. Yeah, the way I kind of look at it, uh, you know, I've talked to a bunch of people and uh, th- this is the only thing this does is take the awful Biden agenda out of the news cycle for the next fortnight. And, uh, you know, we'll know all about the inner workings of the British monarchy and everybody will be British royal family experts mm. over the course of the next two weeks. Perfect. So, I can't yeah. wait. I think more importantly, and we touched on it in our first new segment with, with Christina Bob, was the uh, stuff that's going on with Steve Bannon, commander of the war room, the larger apparatus. Yesterday was uh, turned over to law enforcement in New York as the radical progressive Soros-backed AG over there, um, went full money, gave Steve Bannon the uh, perp walk. He was led out of his limo, uh, shook hands with the police officer, and then subsequently was handcuffed and, and walked through the media into his uh, booking instead of just being allowed to walk in like most normal people are when, you know, it's a high-profile case like this and there's not really any um Wait, so he, he shook hands with the guy who handcuffed him? Yeah. And the guy's like, sorry, sorry, bud. I gotta, they told me I have to handcuff you. Yeah. They said make a big show of it. I mean, they know how people like Steve Bannon really support law enforcement back the blue. And, uh, yeah. It's yeah, just, and that's very, very telling that the law enforcement officer shook his hand. Yeah, he did. That's just like, hey, you know what? They're going to make me do this shit, but... I'm going to give you the high five on the way in. So I got a portion, well, a brief snippet of the spectacle as he was getting walked down the hallway to the uh, processing area. Uh, Steve Bannon, of course, is going to let all the media there hear it. Let's check it out. For every conservative, this is what happens in the last days of a dying regime. They will never shut me up. They'll have to kill me first. I have not yet begun to fight. Anyway, you know, it's just unfortunate. I was talking with somebody uh, off the record today, someone that's pretty closely connected to Trump world. And, you know, Christina Bob alluded to it. Uh, they're not going to be able to indict Donald Trump. Uh, they're not going to be able to pin him with anything because he hasn't done anything wrong. Uh, whether or not Steve Bannon has, they're going to do the stuff to him that they wish they could do to Donald Trump. And Oh, yeah, they're going to drag him through the streets if they can. Th- this is kind of a double jeopardy moment with the stuff that was going on with, uh, you know, the border wall fundraising stuff. And you just can't take into consideration the fact that we all know they can't really do do anything to Donald Trump. They'll hang a possible indictment or suggested indictment that he'll beat and they'll hang it over his head like the fake impeachment for the Ukraine phone call thing and uh, it's, it's one of those things it's an absolute shame we've seen the same stuff happen obviously to Dr. Peter Navarro who's going to be circling back with us here soon as his book's getting ready to launch and you know it's, it's just this is where we're at uh, the same people who have been running this awful ruin your life just 
train wreck since Donald Trump came down the golden escalator in 2015 are still at the helm uh, and, and directing all of this stuff. And this is some of their payback. Um, you know, and, and it's pretty funny that one of the main orchestrators of all this, uh, Barack Hussein Obama, came back to the White House this week, second time this year, because they were going to unveil the presidential portraits um, of him and Big Mike. So <laughs> I pulled a couple clips from that. Big Mike! Exactly. It's pretty appalling, some of the... Well, you guys will probably laugh when you hear some of the bullshit that he's spewing here. Let's hear Barry uh, praise Joe Biden. Thank you very much. It is great to be back. Uh, President and Dr. Biden, Vice President Harris, and Second Gentleman Emhoff, uh, thank you so much for your hospitality. Uh, Thanks for letting us invite a few friends to the White House. We will try not to tear up the place. (laughs) Someone... (laughs) Someone once said that if you're looking for a friend in Washington, get a dog. Our family was lucky enough to have two wonderful dogs. But I was even luckier to have a chance to spend eight years working day and night with a man who became a true partner and a true friend. Who? Joe, it is now America's good fortune to have you as president. I thought they didn't like each other. You guided us. Isn't there stories of, like, Obama talking shit about him all the time? Yeah. So they... Joe Biden's looking around like, who are they clapping for? What a stupid son of a bitch. That wouldn't be as alarming as this comment, though, which is absolute stomach-turning. Check this one out, Noah. Most of all, thanks to your faith in our democracy and the American people. The country's better off than when you took office. And we should all be deeply grateful for that. What? So thank how do you, you so figure? Much. Better off how? Mm. Like, who can say that with a straight face? He's smiling, so obviously not him. Is this, is this very tongue-in-cheek? It wasn't a Monty Python roast. Mm. Yeah, it was... Uh, was, what I object to is you automatically treat me like an inferior. Mm. <laughs> so they basically came to Washington, D.C. to celebrate themselves. They said a few nice things about douchebag Joe Biden and then unveiled their awful pictures, which were just super ugly and, and not great in any way, shape, or form. It wasn't like Obama had like a portrait of him with a completely white background. And, uh, you know... The Michelle Obama one, so many other people have already memed it into the picture of, like, her sitting down on, like, the couch with the high back, but have, like, Photoshopped dongs into it. So, Mm. yeah, that's kind of where we were at. Um, I I just think it's it's absolutely ridiculous, and so did uh, former Firebrand and White House spokeswoman Kaylee McEnany. She did as well. She jumped on with Jesse Waters yesterday and uh, roasted Joe Biden a little bit. Let's hear it. 
Uh, apparently, it's the move. Um, that dog analogy that Obama made to President <laughs> Biden, well, that was apropos. Because mm. uh, you'll remember that last visit when Obama came to celebrate the ACA, Biden was roaming the room like a lost puppy. Yes. He was over in the corner <laughs> by himself. I think he was like talking to a flag or something. And Obama's over there chumming it up, signing autographs, standing there with Kamala. Um, but you, it was interesting because you mentioned the Washington Post reporting about the staffers who were so upset by Biden making this comment or this comment being made about him being vice president. And they saw it as a jab, which makes it all the more interesting that Obama threw in the dog jab today. It was kind of like taking that knife, putting it in an open wound and twisting it ever so slightly. So it's not even not a bromance. It's something more like um Kind of like enemies jousting a little bit. Yeah, or Barack thinks he's too good for Joe. You know guys like that, right, Kayla? Yeah. <laughs> also, I want to. I do. I, I want, do. I want, I want to <laughs> ask you about Hillary. She's on this world tour. Tim mm. Cook from Apple's paying her to yak to other women about how rich they are or something. But this is what she said about the whole MAGA Republican fascist thing. Watch. Thought it was a strong and necessary speech, and I would not second guess any of the language. Fascism is a very big word. I know that, oh. but so is socialism. And oh. the Republicans call every Democrat who wants people to have health care a socialist. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think we do need to be careful with our reason. language. My most fervent hope is that Republicans themselves will begin to reject all of that. You know, kind of reconstitute <laughs> the Republican Party to where it used to be, and not the you know party of Trump, which I think is very dangerous uh, to the country. We'll so stop the saying it when you stop being a socialist. Mm -hmm. The country deplorables is okay with Joe calling half the country fascist. Is that right? She set the playbook. I mean, this is the wicked witch of the Democrat Party who started off the trend of insulting half of the voting base. And who followed up with that? Stacey Abrams. She said Georgia is the worst state in yep. the country. And you have Charlie Chris saying that you're a hater if you don't vote for him. I yep. mean, this is a routine playbook now going to Joe Biden, calling out MAGA Republicans. But what's interesting, you know, I made the distinction on Friday, my former boss, he definitely punched back. He definitely attacked people, but they were leaders who he attacked. They were fellow political figures. He didn't go on a sustained campaign from the podium attacking half the country. It's a curious choice. And that's why it's even more curious or perhaps obvious that you have KJP, the press secretary, now saying, oh, he was talking about office holders. He wasn't talking about people. No, he was talking about half the country. Yep. We all heard him very loudly. That's a very great distinction. You, you can go after political opponents personally. You just can't go after broad swaths of the country <laughs> because you're supposed to be the president of all Americans. Yep. That's pretty much it. Mm. Yeah, pretty interesting to, uh, you know, hear them on that one. But uh, I don't know. What do you think? Uh, Joe Biden and, and Barack Obama back together and it didn't feel so good? I don't believe it. I don't believe that's serious. He's just doing it just because he has to. I, I just, man, it's like, you know, I can't, these elections can't come around fast enough because I just feel like they're rubbing it in our faces right now. They know we're down, but we know we're not out. It's just really hard to kind of navigate through all of the bullshit that's getting thrown our way. And, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's so hard to kind of comprehend how we've gotten to this point. Like, you couldn't just, you know, fake win the election and, and ride off into the sunset. You had to really take it to the nth level, um, you know, with the stuff that went on with the Mar-a-Lago raid and then 
the uh, demonization of of anywhere between seventy five and one hundred twenty five million people at the least, mm-hmm. and and you know it's just blows my mind that this this is where it's come down to because I really feel like moving forward, even if we do great in these midterm elections, and you know Donald Trump is going to go and and run free election and and do great as well. The amount of repairs that we're going to have to do just to get back to a completely normal baseline is uh, a task at hand in itself in addition to what all the other stuff you have to do as the leader of the free world and someone who runs the country. Uh, And the amount of people that it's going to take to uh, pull this off is going to be astronomical numbers. Oh, it's going to be ridiculous, yeah. And and the the amount of cleaning house. like That's the the thing that I I really want our listenership to, to be geared into. This whole narrative that's going on right now with Donald Trump, with Peter Navarro, with Steve Bannon, the the weaponization of the DOJ and the FBI, they're just making stuff up and drive-by headlining it to everyone across the country. These people have an actual end game, an, I'm sorry, an end date to their careers. And it ends when Donald Trump goes back to the White House. Yeah, there's going to be some serious house cleaning and... I mean, you got to see these people are scrambling like they're they're clutching at the strings of their golden parachutes, hoping it doesn't dissolve in front of them. Tens of thousands of people will be fired on day one. Just imagine that in a government like a purge like that. They've got names. They've got receipts. They know who don't do the work. Uh, they know who were openly and overtly against them throughout the course of the first Trump presidency. And the implementation of Schedule F will be something that uh, it's like we've never seen before. Texas Senator Ted Cruz jumped on with former Trump administration official Larry Kudlow on his show yesterday, and they cont- this narrative that uh, that Kaylee and Jesse Waters were just talking about, and and how Senator Cruz felt about it. Let's hear it. Now, a great pleasure joining me this evening is Senator Ted Cruz, member of the Judiciary Committee. Thank you, Senator Cruz. I appreciate you coming on very much. I have a bunch of things to talk about, but you know his. Republicans, uh, MAGA Republicans, Republicans are semi-fascist and don't like democracy. Looks like it's really backfired on him. I wonder what you're thinking and I wonder what you're hearing down in Texas. Well, listen, I think that's exactly right. And, uh, you you know, I got to say, look, we've all seen in politics where one political party will demonize their the opposing party. That's not unusual. It's not unusual for Joe Biden to call Donald Trump terrible things. It's not unusual for Trump to call Biden terrible things. That's that's part of the political process. What today's Democrats have crossed into is a very different threshold where what Joe Biden is doing now is not demonizing Republican office holders. He's demonizing the voters. He's attacking the tens of millions of people who voted for Donald Trump, who stood up against him. He's calling half of the country fascists. You know, we saw a few weeks ago Kathy Hochul, the the Democratic governor of New York, say, if you're a Republican in New York, and by the way, Larry, you're a Republican in New York, she said, get out. You're not a real New Yorker. Get the hell out of New York. Go to Florida where you belong. I got to tell you, I've never seen a politician tell half their voters, get out of my state. You know, I represent the state of Texas. There are millions of Democrats in the state of Texas. I disagree with them on some policy issues, but it's still my job as an elected official to represent them, to fight for their rights, to fight for their interests. And and the arrogance, the contempt for the voters, the contempt for democracy 
it takes for them to refer to half the country as fascists and say, get out of the state, get out of the country, it, it, it really is a dangerous and ominous new term. By the way, Senator Cruz, I'd go to Texas myself. That's what I would do. I just want well, to... Well, here, here, and, and you are invited anytime. You can get a nice little ranch in Texas that's maybe 10,000 acres. I keep trying to invite Sean Hannity to move down. You can get adjoining ranches down there. All right. It'll be... I want to move to Texas. Pleasure. What about you, Noah? I want to move to Montana. Mm. Yellowstone country? I like it. I don't know about that. Come on, man. It's a good show. Yeah. I still haven't watched it. It's like Sopranos with cowboy hats. I still haven't watched it. Mm. You hear about Ukraine? Just so our <laughs> just so our listenership is up to key. So, <laughs> just in the past ten days, is it now the first most corrupt country in the universe? Joe Biden proposed two weeks ago thirteen point seven billion dollars more. Perfect. Uh, last week, how he, much are we going to get? Zero for us. Like, negative in this country we're that he's be paying taxes on that it. he uh, you know runs. He asked for another, I think three ish last week, and <sighs> then over the weekend I saw just for some additional weaponry alone, uh, an additional additional six hundred and ninety eight million dollars, which brings our total amount of U.S. southern border walls that didn't get finished. In the form of cash, aid, and support to Ukraine since the conflict started seven and a half months ago, 22. We have sent 22 U.S. southern border walls worth of money over to Ukraine in the last eight months. And we were not – what was what were some of the reasons why we didn't uh, use money to, to build the border barrier? Because it's racist, and they shut the government down for six months for it. And – yeah, but besides racism, which is the obvious answer to everything now. Oh, uh, xenophobia. Oh, okay. So uh, obviously not the alpha and the bravo answers, but like what kind of financial reasons were we were we getting? How dare we take money from anything that's earmarked for pork and use it for something that actually helps and serves the American people? Mm-hmm. So instead, we'll just launder it through the military industrial complex. Via Ukraine. Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer shut, shut the government down for almost six months for $3.5 billion. Where at how much again? Uh, well, lucky you asked because uh, Tucky covered it last night. Let's hear it. Good. government has banned opposition parties shutting down media outlets that they don't like. But the Biden administration loves this. It's the template for what they'd like to do here. So they're demanding that you send more of, more of your money, your diminishing pile of money, to Ukraine. You have a pile? Just hours ago, our defense secretary, speaking at the American Air Base in Ramstein, Germany, announced yet another massive military aid package for Ukraine, not to protect our borders or to save our country, How dare but we? for Ukraine. Mm-hmm. This latest chunk is more than $2.6 billion. That would include howitzers, Humvees, munitions, as well as armored ambulances. This is on top of the more than $13 billion we've already sent to Ukraine this year. Congress has approved another $30 billion. Mm. Hmm. Suck on that, American public. Mm. Worst war zone in the history of war zones. I saw this weekend there was uh, a whole bunch of TikTok videos getting shared on Twitter of, like, the nightclub life that's going on in Ukraine right now. You would never know that it's the worst war zone in the history of war zones. Well, I mean, they had uh, what's-his-nuts open the New York Stock Exchange remotely. Vladimir. Vladimir. Zelensky with two eyes. I mean, 
the most serious war in the history of wars, and the guys like making. Are you talking about January sixth or Ukraine Russia? TV appearances. Oh. Was that a war? That was a, that was a civil war. <laughs> You're going to like this one, Noah. It's like if the North uh, you know, motioned the South to come in. Oh, stop it. <laughs> Rand Paul jumped on Fox News yesterday to talk about the impending doom that's coming for Anthony Fauci. Good. Yeah. And we haven't touched on it in a while because we could give a fuck about COVID. Uh, the only thing we care about is how they, well, number one, killed hundreds of thousands of people. Number two, experimented on the millions that were dumb enough to get experimented and on. And denied people valid treatments that now they've quietly walked back and said, oh, actually, those are okay. And last but equally important, completely fucked up an entire generation of children. Yep. All things that I hope he is uh, held accountable for. Let's hear Dr. Paul weigh in. Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky is a physician who joins us now. So I, I think we're just going to see a mountain of communications from Fauci, the White House, to Zuckerberg, to Twitter. Yep. And this is just the tip of the iceberg. What are you expecting? You know, I think that all of America should be appalled that America's doctor, the leading expert on COVID and public health, doesn't want to divulge information, doesn't want to divulge his communications with big tech. But it goes even beyond that. The last time I had him in a hearing, we told him that through freedom of information, we discovered that 193 NIH scientists had taken, no, it was 1,800 scientists had taken $193 million in royalties. And his response yep. was, not that I'll look into it and I'll reveal it. His response was, by law, we don't have to tell you which companies gave us how many royalties and to which scientists. So this is a guy that his modus operandi is to cover up and try to not allow any sunshine on any of his activities, that should be a tip-off as to his motives. It sure does, and we're going to get a good look at those emails. And if he doesn't comply, then he has to pay a price. And Modus operandi, we got to throw that up on the dry erase board. We, we, don't, we don't use that enough. We need to start using it more. Not sure what it means completely, but I like the way it sounds. I know it's method of operation. We'll probably uh, get the... Marlardo button before we do that. Marlardo. Marlardo. <laughs> Sounds like a like a garbage pail kid. Right? Oh man. Ooh. That's a good one. You get to work on that. Mm. And then our last audio clip of the week. Um I was watching yesterday Big Head Charlie Kirk on his show on Real America's Voice and he was touching on what is essentially the centerpiece of everything we try to bring you on Steak for Breakfast? If we don't take care of our job for the next 60 days, and on November 8th, we are not going to like the America that we wake up to on November 9th. I already don't like the America I'm waking up to. And we're especially not going to like it on January 3rd when they reconvene the Congress next year. Mm. And that's about winning back majority in the House and Senate. Let's hear him uh, in our last audio clip of the week. The majority goes Republican. Can you give some guarantees of the type of oversight that we will see? So I think that is a way that some Republican base voters will say, okay, now I can see Rick why Scott we want to have a 49 right majority. Can you talk about the priorities of things that will be investigated, people that will be subpoenaed? Please. You know, first off, Charlie, let me make sure. On the quality of our candidates, guess what? Every Republican Senate candidate it believes in a secure border. They believe in the funding of the police. They don't believe in IRS agents. They don't believe in, in more IRS agents or critical race theory, a bigger government. So think about that. There's, there's the contrast. That's why we have to do it. 
So when we get when we get in when we get the majority, Ron Johnson from Wisconsin should be the chair of the subcommittee that will be doing the investigations. Yes, I intend to be on that committee. Ron Johnson it will be hell bent on wow. doing That's proper great. investigations. Yeah. So let's just pause there. So if you live in a state where you have a candidate that you're like, ah, I don't know, you you could you could nationalize it. You could say, do I want a bulldog? like Ron Johnson to be able to investigate people like Fauci, the CDC, and all these different things. What are the other investigations? Can, are you gonna investigate Garland or Mayorkas? What are the other things that the Senate Republicans think, pledged to well, investigate? Let's take the Mar-a-Lago raid. We, ha we have to require, and we will be able to do it if we have a majority, we have to com com require complete transparency by Christopher Ray and Merrick Garland. We've got to understand exactly all the, all the background of all the, you know, exactly what Hunter Biden has been doing. We need to understand exactly what Fauci and the NIH has been doing. So we need to go piece by piece into real oversight. But we, our job is to, to our, our job is to do oversight. It's not like it's mean spirited, intentional. Our job is to do oversight. That's why the committee was set up. That's why Congress is there. Yeah. We review the executive branch. If there's nothing like there's no political agenda here. Get give Americans the facts and let Americans make the best choices. Yeah, and it's just there, there's like no oversight happening. We get oversight in five-minute increments, right? We get five minutes to ask questions, and then no one, they don't take you seriously. They don't write your, they don't respond to letters, right, Senator? I mean, they, oh, they, oh, they don't Charlie, care. I, Charlie, Mallorca says, oh, the border's secure. Yeah. I said, and so we have, we have five minutes. They can just go up there. They, he tells a complete lies. Okay, about about the border. It's a complete lie what he says about the border. There's nothing I can do about it. They don't, they don't have to respond to what I ask them in writing. I mean, we, we if we don't have majority, we don't have any subpoena power, yeah. which we have no. There's no subpoenas of the Biden administration been done since Biden got elected because we because Gary Peters, the Democrat chair of the committee, won't do any. When we get a majority, our job is to over, oversee the, the executive branch of government. That's our job. It's not it's not like it's a mean spirited job. It's just our job. We need to go do our job and hold these government agencies accountable. Well, it makes 100 percent sense right there. Yeah, we've been saying it for almost two years now. And the, the, the quiet part he's not saying out loud is, uh, you know, which goes into the impeachments. I have already seen several of the legacy progressive cable news outlets saying how Republicans are going to be weaponizing impeachments, uh, you know, come January if they win back the House and Senate. Listen. Joe Biden, Alejandro Mayorkas, and Merrick Garland have all, beyond a reasonable doubt, crossed the thresholds for impeachment. If Donald Trump got oh, impeached... I thought you were going to say that there were going to be cameos in the new Three Stooges movie. Mm. <laughs> if Donald Trump got impeached for a Ukraine phone call, that was perfect. Then these guys belong in a fucking gulag for what they have done to this country over the last two years. Not even gulag. I mean, you want to say treason at this point. Yeah. I mean, like selling us out in every which way form. Yeah, it's like literally the worst political version of a porno that you could ever imagine. Just like the ones that you don't even want to watch, the ones that you automatically turn off because they're just too much. Help me, step country. Yes, I'm stuck in the dryer again. <laughs> and it's good to make light of it because of how bad it is. It's like you uh -huh. laugh and it goes right into tears, <sighs> and that's literally where we're at. And we need to continue to focus on the importance of ignoring the polls, getting involved, supporting these candidates. Every single person that's going to be coming back on the show, they're going to tell you they need two things, financial assistance and ground game help. Mm -hmm. You don't live in state, you work the telephones for them. Yeah. 
Uh, and every single one of Donald Trump's candidates that gets in makes that Congress better next year, makes Mitch McConnell not the Senate majority. Listen, Rick Scott, I know there's a lot of people who don't like him from when he was governor of Florida. I know he had kind of an up-and-down record when he was uh, you know, a House representative. He has politically aligned and got the blessing of Donald Trump. Uh, he has all but said he wants him to lead the Senate. They've met. As soon as they met, the op-ed come out. And now he's doing the, the TV circuit talking about what their intentions are. They're not going to play their hand and say impeachments are coming for everybody so the Democrats go into, like, even a worse crisis. Because right now they're in, like, a, our jobs end in 2025 if we don't take care of 2022. That's where they're at right now. And, uh, you know, we just need to keep focus and, and keep everything going. And know that uh, we're going to bring you the best content uh, that we can regarding all of these narratives. We're continue going to continue to write substacks that help educate you on everything that's going on, especially behind the scenes. And we're going to bring you all the candidates that you need to hear and support moving forward so that by the time we get to November, uh, everybody's primed and ready to go. We're going to have one of the bigger turnouts, I believe, in the history of the United States for a midterm election. Uh, and, I'm, and I'm paraphrasing now from the big guy. The likes we may have ever seen before. Not a bad way to end the week. What do you think, Noah? I've had worse. And we've always had better. I, I, I look at it this way. Uh, the news narrative isn't the best served, but the delivery was top tier. Not going to agree with me? No. I didn't think I needed to agree with that. I appreciate that. If, oh, there. Scissor me timbers. If you appreciated this episode and would like to hear the other 167 episodes of the Steak Breakfast Podcast, you can find us across every downloadable podcasting platform. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Podata, Google Podcast, FM Player, iHeartRadio, the Patriot Podcast Network on the Roku app, or even on Frank's Speech. Subscribe to the show and rate it, leave a review, and don't forget to download, listen, like, follow, and share Steak for Breakfast content. Show credits today go to our two amazing guests, Miss Christina Bob of Save America and Anna Perez, the future host of Wrong Think, appearing on LFA TV in early October. In addition to them, some of our internet friends, Who White Memes, The Patriotic Babes Account, and Ultra Garbaggio. Friends, don't forget to go out and throw some cash at our partners, because when you do that, all it does is help make small American businesses great again. Speaking of which, my pillow. They got the big bedding sale going on right now. You want that Giza dream everything, and you'll get it for the lowest prices you can ever imagine when you enter promo code stake at checkout. If you want something to uh, complement that glorious night's sleep, the My Coffee strongly suggested it tastes delicious. Uh, enter promo code stake there as well. You get 25% off. MyPillow.com forward slash steak is the website, and MyStore.com slash steak is also the website. Or you can talk to a qualified pillow representative, 1-800-658-80. 45. The top tier of ear gear and all things audio in studio recorded related can be found at Odyssey, the absolute most amazing headphones that I will ever don. I made the investment. You need to do it too. Odyssey.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Stay ready, gear holsters. If you want a picture of what do we got today? Oh, how about uh, we could say that guy from the Lincoln Foundation. Say that he wants to put a bullet in Donald Trump. It's the only way to solve him. Mm. Well, if that's the kind of weird shit you're into, they'll throw it on a concealed carry Kedex holster and get those orders out faster than ever before. Could have that with uh, Marlardo in the background. <laughs> Thanks, uh, Michael Cohn. <laughs> StayReadyGear.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram. Man rubs. 
I mean, like week two. Well, I, I had man sprinkled burgers the other day, mm. but I have not had anything man rubbed yet this week. I still got to reload. I'm running out. When I do, I, I still think it's funny. Uh, the first time my kids ever came over here, they got in the car and they're like, no, it has man rubs in his closet. And I was like, how do you guys know that? They're like, we looked. Of course. Yep. Uh, they also danced on my coffee table. They certainly did. Uh, but when I do, I think I'm going to pull pork butt out of the freezer, maybe make it tomorrow. I will shake it, sprinkle it, rub it, throw it in the cooking apparatus of my choice. At some point, it will be finished. I will take it out, pull it, drizzle it in some barbecue sauce. I'm going to go right into my mouth. Num, num, num. Manrubs.com is the website. West Coast Survival Arms. Mike's got a pretty simple equation for all your firearm-related needs. Guns, parts, ammos, and accessory. Easy to use website, new to redesign, westcoastsurvivalarms.com. He's on Facebook Messenger. You can hit him on the telephone too, 619 870 6992. Mediocre Medic for all our first responders. You're going to like the gear they've got going on down there. You're going to like their Instagram a little bit more. Mediocremedic.com is the website. And last but certainly not least, the home of the Zero Fuck Stuck. Still don't know? Go ask Mark Joe Friday. Dumpbox.us. Find him on Instagram. Find him on Facebook. Upcoming shows. We got two bangers next week. We'll be back on Tuesday. Boris Epstein, Clay Clark, and Jake Denton and the Heritage Foundation will be a beautiful episode and set up for our Friday edition of the show. Ambassador Rick Grinnell, former Attorney General of the United States, Matt Whitaker, they'll both be joining us. Joe Kenson on the 20th, and Cash Patel's in on the 23rd. In addition to that, we're just trying to finalize. Dates is like really hectic right now because everybody's on the campaign trail. But here's who we've gotten emails back from. Mike Collins, Herschel Walker, John Gibbs, Harmeet Dillon, Alina Habba, former Secretary of Defense Chris Miller, Blake Masters, Adam Lexalt, Devin Nunes will be in early October, Julie Kelly, Bo Hines, Sandy Smith, and Dom Bullock, just to get things started. So, schedule's lining up pretty damn nice. Friends of the Week, let's talk about some of our uh, true social pals. Of course, our Twitch streamer thread that's getting down every night. All of our Mario Kart masters, Beastie Man 420, CSM Master, American Nintendo, Siberian Kitty, and Burger Man. In addition to that, Tim, some call me Tim79. Thank you for another nice post this week. Uh, it was a quote tweet. I'm sorry, a quote truth with commentary. We appreciate all you do for uh, spread the good word of steak for breakfast. In addition to them... Let's see, we got Real Brenda Memes, Mad America, Grand Old Memes, Hispanics for DeSantis, Mostly Peaceful, The Duke of Memes, John Hacker LA, Silent Meme Jordy, and of course, Stolen Valor Forever, The Real Meme DeLorean. Guys, thanks to remember between now and Tuesday, number one, do your own research. You want to know who does her own research? Anna Perez. I have a feeling her show is going to be fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, start a podcast. What do you think, Noah? Not too bad today. You're welcome. Number three, can't stress it enough. American greatness. We don't talk about it enough. It's time we started talking about it again. And last, but certainly not least, let's see what happens. This has been episode 168 of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. We'll be back with 169 on Tuesday. Coming in hot, Clay Clark, Jake Denton of the Heritage Foundation, and Boris Epstein. On behalf of the pod team, I'm Roan. Noah? Later. Thanks for listening. Have a good weekend and take care.
Mandrake. Yes, Dad? Have you ever seen a commie drink a glass of water? Well, yeah, I, I can't say I have, Jack. <laughs> Vodka. That's what they drink, isn't it? Never water? Well, I... I believe that's what they drink, Jack, yes. On no account will a commie ever drink water, and not without good reason. Oh, uh, yes. I, um, can't quite see what you're getting at, Jack. Water. That's what I'm getting at, water. Mandrake, water is the source of all life. Seven-tenths of this Earth's surface is water. Why do you realize that... 70% of you is water? Oh, God. And as human beings, you and I need fresh, pure water to replenish our precious bodily fluids. Yes. Are you beginning to understand? Yes. <laughs> Mandrake. Mandrake, have you never wondered why I drink only distilled water or rainwater and only pure grain alcohol? Well, it, it, it did occur to me, Jack, yes. Have you ever heard of a thing called fluoridation, fluoridation of water? Uh, yes, I, I have heard of that, Jack, yes. yes. Well, do you know what it is? No. Do you realize that fluoridation is the most monstrously conceived and dangerous communist plot we have ever had to face? Token player, no game, soldier! That's nice shooting, soldier! experience, you know, with those sort of machines. Jack, I've only ever pressed a button in my old spitfire. Andrek, in the name of Her Majesty and the Continental Congress, come here and feed me this bellboy. Jack, I'd love to come. But, um, what's happened? You see, the string in my leg's gone. The what? And the string. I never told you, but you see, got a gammy leg. Oh, dear. Gone, shot off. Mm -hmm.